This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the 27th of August. Well, should we be shown the pictures on the newspaper? We saw it on the television. I'm not sure whether or not we should see the pictures in the papers. Shot dead live on television by a disgruntled employee. We don't know the full story. I'm sure there's something going on. Perhaps he was in love with her and she spurned him. Who knows? We've got no idea. Hopefully we will find out today. But should we have to relive the pictures? And uh, why can't America do anything about its gun crime? It gets from bad to worse. Zayn Malik, according to one of the uh, Jackson brothers, is the new Michael Jackson. I'm not sure whether or not he means he's dead or, uh, or if he thinks he'd actually got loads and loads of talent. And uh, household energy bills, up they go. Good news, if you're working for Sainsbury's and you're under 25, I think, uh, you're in line for a pay rise. They've obviously decided before the papers start leaping on them, going, how much are you paying people to work here? And having discovered the other day that bills, another one of these chain places, is not passing on the tips that you leave. You think when you tip in restaurants that, in fact, your money is going to the server. The hell it is. Coats aren't passing it on. Uh, bills aren't... Pa- loads of people are not passing it on. I'm not going there again. I've decided I don't think it's right. Uh, the whole idea is if I enjoy my meal and the server... I thought that was the whole idea of, of tipping. It's supposed to go to the person who served the meal. Not to prop up their blooming wages. That's what Bill said. They said, well, of course, we don't pass it on, but in lean times, we make up their money. What do you mean you make up their money? Well, so in other words, if, we, if none of us tipped at all, every time the restaurant was lean, they wouldn't get paid. What a load of old cobblers. I've never heard of so much rubbish. Really? You need to check before you go to any restaurant or anywhere like that, does the server get the tip? If not, don't leave one. Don't leave one. Refuse flat... Refuse point blank to pay the service charge. What do we mean pay the service charge? What do we... What, pay their wages? You're having a laugh, aren't you? We don't do that. Certainly not here, but I'm amazed at how many of these so-called classy places are ripping off the people who work there. I thought bills were supposed to be really good at stuff like that. I can't believe that they would sink to that low level. Are they trying to justify saying, oh, in lean times, it props up their wages? What do you mean it props up their wages? It's like here, just supposing this programme, it would never happen, didn't get any advertising. Do you think all of a sudden the bosses go, well, of course, you'll have to take less money? That wouldn't happen at all. I don't see why it should happen. If you work for John Lewis, they go, well, of course, it's been a very lean month, so you won't be earning as much this month. Never heard anything like it. You vote with your feet for these restaurants. You kick them where it hurts. Kick them, I tell you, we'll show you what kicking means. People should stand outside handing out leaflets. If your server doesn't get the tip, don't eat here. Simple as that. Ghastly. Ghastly. Dreadful. But it's a, but you, you don't tip in McDonald's, do you? Unless you do tip in McDonald's. You tip, you tip Burger King? Do you tip Pizza Hut? Take away pizza? Happy Chicken, whatever it's called nowadays. Do you tip in those... No, why not? Why, why do you not tip those workers in McDonald's? You go in there in the morning, you order your, order your double sausage and egg McMuffin, and then you feel bloated and horrible afterwards, but you eat it because that's what you think you should eat for breakfast. And I begin to wonder seriously if, you know, you should be tipping them. And if you say, but it's fast food, you go, no, they're doing exactly the same as a waiter in a restaurant. They're taking your order, and then they're actually going to fulfil it, and they're bringing it to you. Why do you not tip them? Because you just don't, do you? I've never heard of anybody being tipped in a fast food place. So why do you tip waiters? I've given you my order. You bring the food to the table. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're paid to do. If it was the cleaner doing it, I could understand it. But it's not. 
So I think you should boycott any place that does not pay the tip over to the person who brings the food to your table. Seriously, I mean, I, I just think it's disgraceful. I think it's absolutely disgraceful. I always ask, whenever I eat, I always say, can you take the service charge off? I'll pay the person directly. Thank you very much indeed. And if they then say, you know, you have to pay the service charge, I'll go, well, you better call the police. You better call the police, because I'm not paying it. Uh, two fingers to the Iraq war families. This is the uh, the Chilcot inquiry. My God, how much more longer can they drag their heels over this one? I mean, this has gone on for, well, for years now. I mean, the the deadline expired yesterday and the failure to meet it or any offer to date at all means that uh, they're now going to be taken to court. John Chilcott is going to be taken to court. This man is sticking two fingers up. He doesn't give a forex, does he, that these people died. You know, 179 British lives. Tony Blair still wandering around with a big smile on his face. Makes me feel physically ill, ladies and gentlemen. And the safari guide, killed in the same park um, as uh, that lion, Cecil. And the safari guide had his um, his gun with him, and it was loaded, but he didn't have enough chance to, to fire at the lion, who apparently launched with such ferocity that it caught him by surprise. Now, I did say yesterday on the programme, I can't help thinking that, you know, if you're in a safari park and there are wild animals like lions or hippopotamus or well, possibly one of the most dangerous animals, uh, rhinoceroses and even giraffes, I suppose, to a certain extent... Do not go walking. It kind of strikes me as being the thickest person in the travel lodge. You don't go walking through there. You go in a vehicle that you can get away, and the animals are frightened of a vehicle. If you're walking on the ground, they've got no idea what you are. They think you're lunch. And that's what happened to that bloke. He stood between him and the people that he was doing on this walking tour, and this lion took him out. They don't, they don't hang around. When you've seen lions close up, they're big boogers. They're big boogers. Uh, the Burger Boost, I mentioned McDonald's earlier on. I think in a hundred of their branches, they put in little computer things and you can order uh, your burger. You can make your own burger. Because I always go in there and completely screw them up and go, I'll have a quarter pounder with cheese, plain. Because all I want is the burger and the cheese. I don't want the gubbins that goes on top of it. Thank you very much. The gherkins. We're British. We don't do gherkins. And uh, so I always say that. And they always go, well, of course, it'll be a couple of minutes. You think, why will it be a couple of minutes? And the answer is because once people see what you've got, they'll want the same. So if ever you go out to a corporate dinner and at the last minute you go, can I have vegetarian, please? I'm I'm sorry, I forgot to mention I have vegetarian. They'll serve you last. And the reason they'll serve you last is because they don't want everybody else looking at the vegetarian option and going, oh, wait a minute, I'll have that. I'll have the vegetarian option. So you get served last. Not so good. Aging old Gary Lineker. God, blimey, he must be dragging his weary carcass about there. He went to the Chilton Firehouse. Blimey, I thought that had finished. Had no idea that celebrities, I use the term loosely, of course, were still going there. They must be about one a week now. It tailed off. They got loads of people going. And then all of a sudden, some journalists did stories about the fact that they went there and it was easy to get a table. Not at all difficult. Because, I mean, who wants to eat in a place that Gary Lineker goes to? Who are these people who want to go out and eat in celebrity restaurants? Because I always think if something's known, and I eat in a celebrity restaurant, but people don't go there for that. They go to Joe Allen's because it's convenient for the theatre, because it's got a great atmosphere, and that's why they go there. You know, if you happen to see a celebrity, it's a bonus. But the Chilton Firehouse sold itself on, oh, look, here's the Beckhams going and everything. You think, once, they'll go once. They only go there for the photo opportunity. They go, oh, because it's an in-place to be seen. So old Vic will be sitting at home, you know, sort of trying to tease her hair into some kind of shape. Cannonball, generally. And uh, and she'll go, oh, we, we need to be seen at the Chilton Firehouse. And so off they, they, they trot. They, they phone up. Their people phone up. 
and go, oh, the Beckhams would like to come in tonight. Yes, of course, bowing, scraping, scraping. Yes, bowing, bowing again. Bring in the Beckhams. And so the Beckhams have a picture taken and that's the publicity. The resultant publicity at the at the end of it is that people go, well, if the Beckhams go there, we, we've got to go there. But you, unfortunately, you poor saps, you can't. Because they don't want peasants in there. They, don't, they, they just want you to think that you can get a table. So you phone up and you go, is it possible to get a table? Well, we're looking at November. Sorry? November. Well, I, I quite like to eat tomorrow. Well, it's just not going to be possible, is it? We're just really busy. And that's what they do. I remember a friend of mine who was very famous phoned up a very famous restaurant. And, um, and it didn't, he had a cold. It didn't sound like him. And he phoned up and said, oh, hi, can I have a table this evening at nine? And they went, oh, we've got nothing at all. Nothing at all, I'm afraid, till a sort of week Thursday. And he said, oh, that's OK. He said, but if, if, if a cancellation occurs, she says it's highly unlikely. He said, well, just in case a cancellation occurs. Then he gave his name. She went, what time would you like to eat? Going to prove there's always tables. There's always tables. Uh, it was interesting hearing about the councils using bailiffs. We have lots of bailiffs who listen to this programme. The reason bailiffs are called in, and some are pleasant and some are not very pleasant, I would like to think the ones that listen to this programme are exceptionally pleasant, they're called in because people want their money back. It's as simple as that. And uh, we've had a number, as you know, Mark the bailiff, over the years. I think he's doing the knowledge, actually, at the moment. And, um, in fact, I'm sure he's still doing the knowledge. And th- these people go out there, and in the early hours of the morning, they clamp the car, they put the thing around it, then they ring the doorbell. Because once you, they say, we need the money, it's £400 you owe, uh, or we take the car. Simple as that. Simple as that. And so people go, well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll bring it tomorrow. No, tomorrow's no good. If we have to come back tomorrow, it's now gone up to £600. You think I'm coming out here for free? No. I come out here for money. Admittedly, sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes the councils get it wrong. It wasn't your car. Somebody's cloned your number plate. There's always excuses. You know, my elderly mother, the dog drove the car. You know, any of these kind of things that people think of to get out of paying the bills. But at the end of the day, if you get a ticket... I mean, I heard somebody earlier on saying that he got a ticket, but it was placed in the wrong place. And I've seen that. They say the ticket has got to be placed where the warden can see it. So, I mean, I, I do park in central London I am registered my car is registered and I pay by phone they say would you you know is it credit card don't you go yes and so you pay by that and it's so expensive because I never know as indeed you probably don't know either how long you're going to be when you go for dinner or for lunch I've got dinner and I've got lunch next week with a friend of mine I don't know how long it's going to be it might be two hours it might be four hours I've got no idea so how long do you park the car for well you tend to go for the maximum and if you want to park in central London maximum uh, around Covent Garden, it's around 16 quid. Seriously, you need a second mortgage out. Seriously, you need a second mortgage out. Anyway, we'll take uh, your texts and emails this morning. 84850 steve at uk. It's the only thing I didn't do, actually. I normally set the studio up quite well. I forgot to do it this morning, so I shall set it all up. And we should take your texts and emails. 84850 steve at uk, And we shall uh, also be doing the... Um, the papers. And of course, they've got loads of stories. I love the story about Zayn Malik. According to one of the minor members of the Jackson family, he's going to be the new Michael Jackson. Of course, when I first heard it, I thought, oh, God, they obviously heard him singing and decided that he'd be better off dead. And then I thought, no, perhaps they think he's really talented. Whereas, in fact, I don't think he is. I think going out to pubs and parties is possibly the kiss of death. As far as I'm concerned, that would be the thing that you would not be doing you know, if you were trying to launch a music career. I could be wrong, but as you know on this programme, Steve Allen is never wrong. And if he is, he never admits it. Quarter past four. 
Nick, uh, this morning at breakfast, as a teen pleads guilty to terror charges, should she be named or remain anonymous? I think absolutely named. Absolutely named. We should know about these people. We'll give you the latest on the terrifying Virginia shooting. And are you offended by Donald Trump's latest comments on migrants in America? Looking at the papers with Nick Ferrari, Chris Blackhurst. Uh, will be with him in the studio. That's all after the morning news with Sarah Jane Mee on LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Petrol prices uh, plunging, apparently, so they tell us. That'll be good news for the bank holiday weekend. And um, I like the idea of the VAT mystery. We'll tell you about that one. Plus, the Beeb can't have its cake and eat it. As somebody pointed out the other day, and we pointed out yesterday on the programme, why the BBC worry about ratings? I've got no idea. You know, you're caught in a catch-22 situation. You've got to pay the licence fee. Frankly, I don't think it's worth it. I really don't think it's worth it. Vastly overpaid people, chronically awful programmes. They're actually going to do a programme on BBC Three, as if anybody's ever heard of it. And the programme is going to be, are we racist in this country? Is the Pope Catholic? Should be another programme they should do. I mean, have you ever heard of anything so stupid? They did it years ago. They're always about 15 years behind the times. The BBC, they constantly think they have to sort of compete. Having seen some of the garbage that is masquerading as programmes at the moment, I can't help thinking that a programme on Are We Racist in This Country is going to come back with Yes. That's what it's going to come back with. It's not going to be too difficult to find you know, enough people to say we're overcrowded in this country. We've got too many economic migrants coming here. There's too many people cheating the system. There's too many people. They had a guy on the TV. It was an old programme. I thought it was. And it was an Asian guy, I think, and his two wives. Two wives, if you please. God knows what's going on in some of these households. And uh, this man was operating a racket, getting people false documents to stay in the country. He was as a... Bent as you can find, I think, in this day and age. And so, you know, is this country racist? The answer's going to come back, yes. Told you, a friend of mine years ago did a programme uh, on the BBC on whether or not Australia was racist. And there was this reporter who was white, and there was a reporter who was black. And I've told you about this before. And it was a quite simple premise. What they did was they, they went to, uh, to Perth, they went to a number of cities in Australia... And they uh, they scoured the newspapers to see who had rooms to rent. And then they would phone up and go, oh, you've got a room to rent? Yes, I have. And so they would turn up on the doorstep, separately, of course. So the white guy would actually go in. And, no, sorry, the black guy went in first. And the moment the woman opened the door, or the bloke opened the door, and he said, oh, I've come about the room. They went, oh, I'm really sorry, it's gone. Uh, the room isn't, isn't available. He went, oh, OK, thanks very much indeed. And he left. Two minutes later, the white guy turns up. Well, I've come about the room. Yes, come in, I'll show you it. You know, blatant racism. You're going to get that here. You're going to get exactly the same here. I don't know they're wasting their time doing a programme on, on racism. Everybody knows it exists. Does homophobia exist? Yes. You know, are people anti-Semitic? Yes. You know, everybody's harbouring something. I don't like plastic pants, but that's my, that's my problem. I'm the person who has to deal with incontinence, so it's great. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. We, we went out the other day. When we went out, there were, there were three of us, and uh, we went down to Costco. We were going to go to Costco at Sunbury, but uh, such was their disaster that uh, there were cars queuing up to the Sunbury roundabout to try and get into a car park, which quite clearly was not built for purpose. They need to almost quadruple the size. Normally in Costco's, the car park's four times the size of the actual place. In this particular occasion, they'd underestimated how many people were turning up. And uh, we looked at this queue and went, no chance. No chance. And it was exactly the same when we arrived back three hours later. But we're, uh, we, we, sort of, we, we then decided to go to Farnborough. 
which, of course, is, you know, mad another 15, 20 minutes down the motorway. So off we pootled Farnborough. The heavens open on the motorway. And when I say heavens, it was like a monsoon. At one point, we could barely see through the windscreen. It was terrible. But uh, the one thing that uh, one of the passengers, Joe, was saying to me, she said, oh, she said, I saw this ghastly thing. She said, have you seen the Anthea Turner adverts on the television with that ghastly voice of hers? I said, well, nobody likes her. I said, she's deeply unpopular. Everybody absolutely loathes Anthea Turner, a more patronising, third-rate presenter. You'd be hard pushed to find. I said, but Richard and Julie like her. They used to put her on the programme and she'd sit there going, well, you know, here's how you fold a towel. And I thought, the only towel I want to see folded is round your head. God, dreadful. And so they put her in this jumpsuit, which is ridiculous for an old woman of her age. But anyway, she's sort of in there and uh, she's advertising. I forget what it is now. And everybody said in the car, well, three of us, nobody liked Anthea Turner. I said, but that's a bit like tonight. It's Big Brother, isn't it? Celebrity, laughingly called Big Brother, where you will hate all the people. That's the whole idea. These, these are people who are going in tonight who are down on their luck. They don't have any work. They've got nothing at all to do. And they're in there because you hate them. They don't put anybody in Celebrity Big Brother who you like. What would be the point of that? If you put people who are nice in there, there's no, no programme. You're looking for people who've got quite a few screws loose. That's why they didn't really want Daniela Westbrook, because she didn't even have screws to start with. So when you watch these programmes, you absolutely hate these people. They are ghastly. You know, if they put Karen Danshuk in there, whatever her stupid name is, you know, you'll hate her to start with because she's irritating. She's got a silly little voice. She's an attention seeker, you know, and, and nobody likes her. And if they put it, who else were they thinking of put it? There were a few sort of names that they banded around. Mainly a few people who sort of done the circuit and they think, oh, they'll actually spice it up. What they're looking for is a programme. I don't care less whether these, these people are in there or not. They're looking for people who are going to be argumentative. And it will be a bunch of deadbeats. It really will be. It'll be people who go, oh, God, I can't stand them. Let's hope somebody holds them under the water. Because that's what you secretly hope in Big Brother, isn't it? Whether they're celebrities or not. But these people won't be celebrities. They'll be people who think they're celebrities in their own tiny little mind. And they will be under the misapprehension that the country will be hanging on their every word. Which, of course, we won't be. But we will tomorrow have the cast list. You'll have it tonight. I'll be in bed, so I shall miss it. But no doubt by tomorrow morning, the papers will be full of pictures of the bunch of uh, the latest degenerates that they've dredged up from a cemetery or the bottom of the river to put on the television for your further viewing pleasure. And you'll hate every single one of them, I can guarantee it, because they're just, they're just rubbish people. They're people who don't have a job. They're people who obviously need a little bit of money. As I say, I mean, we thought it was hilarious when they even suggested Daniela Westbrook. She can barely spring, string two words together. There was also a bit of a joke that it was going to be, um, who's that Gemma Collins creature? I thought she was going to America. I hope she was going to stay there, to be honest with you. But uh, she might be uh, on the programme. Who knows? Who knows? Who cares? Well, we will, because we'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, also, some new words and phrases added to the dictionary, but I did feel sorry for some bloke he spent three years, bless his heart, building the biggest Lego ship ever. He's built the biggest Lego ship and he wanted to get in the Guinness Book of Records, only to discover that over in America, there's an American with a few more inches than he's got. And that kind of sealed his fate. So his ship fell short by about two inches. The American's is bigger. You can imagine how gutted you'd be feeling, wouldn't you? Oh, no. Somebody's beaten me by two inches. How many times, ladies, have you heard that? How many times? Somebody's beaten me by two inches. 26 minutes uh, past four. The papers are full and you can debate till the cows come home whether or not it's right or wrong to show a reporter's last moments uh, on television. The gunman is still alive, I believe. He's, uh, he's in a critical condition. 
You can only hope he remains alive long enough so that they can gas him or do something with him. I don't know what the trouble is. I don't know what you do with people like this. I can't imagine ever getting to the to the state where you would hate somebody so much that you'd go out and buy a gun and kill somebody. But in America, it seems every Tom, Dick and Harry's got a gun and they all seem to go out there and use them. I mean, how is this man ever allowed to have a gun? What's Obama doing about gun crime? It's everywhere. Even in this country, I turned on, it was obviously some of these, you know, one of these dreadful cheap films where it was just hoodlums shooting each other and hacking each other's fingers off. It was quite ghastly. I don't know what it was, but it was, it was just truly dreadful. I kept switching it off and then switching back through the channels. I was trying to find something worth watching. And then I thought, and now we're putting this on the front page of the papers. Every single front page has got the picture of this woman. And the son have said, you can watch this chilling video. I don't watch, want to watch somebody being executed. I really don't. I mean, I'm I'm sorry if it makes me, you know, somebody who isn't as into the news as everybody else is, because I am. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely am. I just don't think this is fair on the family. I don't think it's fair on the family that you're watching this girl. I mean, to start with, she's totally oblivious to the fact that he's standing there. And then she turns and looks and sees the gun in his hand. And then obviously everything flashes through her mind. And so you can relive it on every single paper, every single paper. Now, I mean, we don't know. I mean, I'm assuming the balance of his mind has been affected, so they'll, they'll probably put him down as being, you know, sort of deranged or something like that. I'm beginning to wonder whether or not, because he worked there. He'd also worked there, but he'd, he'd, he was a disgruntled, you know, ex-employee. And I'm beginning to wonder whether or not he'd come on to her and she'd gone, go away, you silly little man. You know, which is absolutely what you should say to somebody who comes on to you at work. Go away, go away. And he then went, I'll show you, I'll show you. He claims that he was fired because he was black. I think he was fired because he's quite clearly mentally ill. I mean, obviously somebody saw through it, not realising that uh, when they cut back to the studio, they didn't really know what had gone on. They're sort of going, um, what, what was that? And they sort of sit there for a moment, a little bit shell-shocked, until the news comes through that they've been shot dead. You know, and it's, it's that kind of thing. You think there's so many lunatics out there, so many people who are willing to take somebody else's life during a live broadcast. You know, I've seen it before in America. I mean, as I say, their, their, their gun problems are immense. Immense. Because you can go just about anywhere and buy a gun. I think you can go to Walmart, can't you, and buy a gun. There's certainly loads of places. Loads of places you can go and actually get one. Uh, thank you to Neil. He says, it's a job which, uh, which we've just done, which makes me, makes me think of you, Steve. And, uh, yeah, you sent it yesterday, actually. It's lovely pictures of her. And I'm, I'm so happy. He says, don't count sheep next time you can't get to sleep, count anthers. Do you know, last night I climbed into bed and I stayed asleep until the alarm went off at one o'clock this morning. I couldn't believe it. I mean, even when, when the alarm went off, I looked, I went, blimey, I've slept all the way through. That's very rare. Very, very rare. Uh, having altered a menu item considerably, says Colin in a reading, uh, the McDonald's employee brought my entire order and then went to being, and, and that was straws and napkins. Everything was exactly as you'd like it to be, and the employee was seemingly happy to oblige. When I returned to the counter for ice cream, I asked if tipping was appropriate. He explained that any tips the staff receive have to go in the charity box. In fact, there is a policy suggesting it's not quite as rare as we may think. I didn't realise that anybody would ever offer tips in a McDonald's. <laughs> in awe of somebody who wants to tip in McDonald's. Well done. Quick time check for you. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Well, you're very nice to be company. Thursday, 27th of August. I thought the gunman was alive when they found him. He was. Uh, he died in hospital. He died in hospital. 
So, uh, so now we know. I thought he was still alive when they actually captured him, but uh, but he is now dead. What a shame. What a shame. You really wanted him to suffer, didn't you? And uh, I shouldn't imagine he suffered at all, really. Uh, other stories which are in the uh, the papers today, because that is the one that dominates. And uh, we'll no doubt find out. I'm sure that people on the station will be saying, well, of course, he was obsessed with her or this or that happened. Either way, three people are dead and uh, and they shouldn't be. Simple as that. Oh, good Lord. Who's this? It's a model called Fanny Negusha. She's apparently swapped football flop fiancé Mario Balotelli for a Premier League star. Is she one of these people who just drifts from footballer to footballer? She looks like she does. I don't actually see the appeal at all. Uh, Fanny has found romance with uh, somebody who plays for West Ham. And uh, as I say, when you look at her, you go, she's not even all that. They, they, they don't have very high standards, as we discovered with Jermaine Defoe yesterday, didn't we? You know, Chantelle Houghton, hardly top of your list of women that you go, Quah, Chantelle Houghton. Nobody ever says that. They just go, oh, Chantelle Houghton. Oi, come here. It's as simple as that. Uh, Caroline Flax on the attack. I don't know why. The, uh, one of the worst presenters on television. I don't know why they ever used her. It's like Derma O'Dreary's being used for some award ceremony. Oh. God, you'd have thought, actually, the fact that Simon Cowell dropped him would be the indicator that he's obviously not that great. And Cheryl Spagbol is in the papers today. Hilariously, she has compared... Wait for this. I mean, this is the intelligence. This is the level. This is the level we're at, ladies and gentlemen. Judging the X Factor is, is as stressful as giving birth. Unbelievable. How your life must really be... Oh, my God, fathers. Here we go. We've got to get somebody to do your hair and your makeup. And then you've got to go and sit behind a table and you've got to judge people. And that's as stressful as giving birth. You now know how dumb she is. She's never given birth. She hasn't got the faintest idea. Women across the country going, listen, love, if you haven't got anything intelligent to say, zip it. She's so tired after the end of each series, she swears never to have done the one. I know, we always swear, you wish you, we wish you wouldn't. But like a new mum changes her mind when the pain fades, yeah. When they wave money at you, darling, we know what you're like. In an exclusive interview with a magazine, Cheryl says, around December every year, I'm always in my dressing room saying, I'm never doing this ever again. You get so involved emotionally. Well, you don't. Are you doing the same programme, the one we're watching? You haven't got the faintest input at all. She says, I'm super sensitive, so it's always a definitive no from me about doing another year. And I think Simon knows that, so he never mentions it until at least March. Oh, lovely. So sweet, isn't it? Anyway, she'll never jump ship. She says, the X Factor will always be my home. Oh, Christ. Got to suffer with her then for a few more years yet, ladies and gentlemen. So she'll never jump ship. You know why? Nobody's interested in her. Nobody's interested. If she thinks that sitting behind a table going, uh, I thought you were quite good. If she thinks that's like giving birth, she's even thicker than I thought. Even thicker than I thought. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. We'll read everything out on the programme. I don't like to miss anything out. If I think I miss anything out, I feel a bit guilty, actually. So, of course, um, Alan says the gunman did it because he felt bullied when he worked there because he was a black gay man. Uh, Well, let me put it this way. It's a good excuse, isn't it? You'll never know the truth of it. You'll never know the truth. And uh, he'd been fired anyway. He'd been fired. They'd already dropped him because quite clearly they'd realised he'd got one or two screws loose. Uh, Another one here, uh, which says uh, President Obama can't do anything about gun control. It requires an amendment to the US Constitution, which will be blocked. Well, then you just expect more deaths in America. And uh, it fills up our newspapers. That's all it does, doesn't it? It fills up the newspapers. You didn't know these people. You don't care about them. 
You're not remotely bothered. I'm more worried it's on the front page of the papers where children look at it and probably think it's some some sort of, you know, game. It's like a computer game. You're looking at the gun. He filmed himself doing it and then posted it online. How sick is he? How sick is he? I mean, really, really sick. Uh, Gary Lineker, look at him out there. Old man, what is he, 54, and his talented wife called Danielle. Very talented. And they went out. She was wearing a see-through blouse. God. Is that the sort of stuff they wear out to eat in restaurants now? As I say, you wouldn't want to go to any restaurant where she was eating, would you? 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. We'll try and uh, weave everything in and get it all done very quickly. Uh, another one here. Very... Wait a minute. Uh, Angela says, what about abs on his farm programme? Uh, yes. You know, he made it. I thought it was a made programme. I thought it was commissioned by some. No, he made it. Uh, because he can't... Obviously, it's a bit of a joke in the music industry. They're never going to be uh, entertaining him again. But um, it's embarrassing, says Angela, with his voice. Well, he thinks he's Jamaican. He comes from Enfield. We, we couldn't quite work out when all of a sudden he, st- he went to stage school. He's a, little, he's a little twink from a stage school. You can't understand at what point he started wearing his trousers halfway down his bottom. Um, and so his pants were sewn into them. He's, he's, he's most odd. He's most peculiar. And, um, and he's sort of, I don't know, you do see these kids who start speaking patois. I can't, I, I don't understand it anyway. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, weather, I bet it's going to rain today. I bet it's going to rain. Here you go. Oh no, look. Blimey, it's a miracle. Dry day, bright or sunny spells. Oh, wait a minute. Few showers forecast. The odd sharp shower possible. Southwest, it's 19 degrees. It's okay, isn't it? Dry night. Long clear spells, a wind decreasing, because by God, it was windy yesterday as well. It was seriously, I, mean, I thought it was terrible weather. 13 degrees overnight, and then Friday, warmer, bright or sunny spells, and the odd shower. Ooh, interesting. I've got an interview to do today for this weekend's In Conversation, and it's uh, the writer William Boyd. So we've got a lot to talk about. I think he's done the, uh, the Bond film and he's got a novel out as well so we'll have a chat to him and that'll run for this weekend's In Conversation with Geoffrey Archer and both filmed well the Geoffrey Archer we filmed the interview and no doubt we'll be filming William as well today because all the studios that we use are fully equipped and we have a complete department here which films everything I don't know where they are I've yet I've yet to find them they're on one of the floors and it's all, it's clever. They, they just change all the screens in the studio to show the LBC logo. They change all the microphone muffs, as we call them. And all of a sudden it becomes an LBC studio. So you could, you could technically be anywhere. It's terribly clever. When we've actually done stuff up and down the country in other studios during the election, they just transform a studio by, by changing the logos. It's very, I mean, I, seriously, changed a bit since my day. Changed a bit. Uh, Nick Ferrari's going to ask the question this morning whether or not the schoolgirl aged 16, who admitted jihadi terror offences, should be named. I mean, quite clearly, she's got more than one or two screws loose. She's a danger. She's an absolute danger. Um, There's also a boy from Blackburn, 14. 14. But this pupil was exchanging um, messages with somebody else. This is a 14-year-old boy from Blackburn in Lancashire. He encouraged an IS-inspired attack on police during an Anzac Day parade in Australia. They swapped over how many messages a day between them? 2,000. Two th- I mean, quite clearly she's got some sort of sick illness. And he definitely has got some sick illness. But they say that uh, she can't be named. She arrived uh, due to her age. She's 16. 
She had a bomb-making guide. At what age do we then go? Um, I think we should name her. She's quite clearly a bit deranged. And uh, she arrived at Manchester Youth Court with a grey headscarf, excused from entering the dock and sitting on a bench, flanked by her mum and uncle and her solicitor. <laughs> God in heaven. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? <coughs> 16. I mean, these people. They've got, uh, they've got a lot to answer for, ladies and gentlemen. A lot to answer for. Uh, other stories in the papers, thin, as they say, thin today, because it's all going to be, and everybody's going to be discussing it until the cows come home, whether or not um, you should actually show pictures of the last moments of this uh, of this telereporter, Alison Parker's life, shot dead by the ex-worker with a grudge. Uh, and the video was filmed by her killer, so you can, I mean, it's all quite clear. He then put the film on Facebook. But he died in hospital. This was in Virginia. How many other lunatics are there out there? Answer? Thousands. Thousands of them. Absolutely thousands of them. And you never know, you know, whether or not, you know, it's going to be your turn or whether or not they're going to turn the gun on themselves. Who knows? Bewildered viewers watch this uh, light-hearted report on the local US channel, WDBJ7. I mean, can you imagine trying to say that? You're listening to and watching WDBJ7 in Virginia. I think they could have make it a lot easier. But anyway, um, after he'd shot, this is uh, Bryce Williams, and he posted his own mobile phone footage of the murders online. As he did so, he fled police in the car that he'd rented. He was then found in the vehicle by police, a three-hour drive away, with gunshot wounds. Um, so he was alive when they found him. He died in hospital. What a shame. What a shame. Talking of a shame, they've uh, finally got rid of uh, Sandy Doherty from uh, the Custard Soup Disaster programme, the Great British uh, Bake Off, or the Great British... Oh, God, it's not that rubbish again on the television, is it? I must be the only person who couldn't care less about it. I know the entire country seems to love it. And Sandy Doherty is the one who's been having an affair for the past ten years. Remember, the wife didn't know about it, and here she is grinning all over the television. Another home wrecker. They're always on television, aren't they? I was watching, what was I watching the other day, which I smiled at? Oh, that's right, I was watching Matt, Mar- Matt Barbette on the Channel 5 News doing a fairly serious item about poo sticks. And they sent a reporter out to ask children about poo sticks. And he did it in such a straight, it just made me laugh out loud. It's the first time I've ever laughed at Matt Barbette, who I've known for years. And it just made me laugh, <laughs> he played it so straight. And I thought, it's poo sticks. How can you ever do a thing about poo sticks? This is from Winnie the Pooh, and they also used it into The Manor Born, where uh, Audrey Forbes Hamilton was trying to explain how you played poo sticks and how it was possible to cheat at poo sticks. (laughs) It's just one of those childhood games. It's like, you know, lots of ladies listening. You'll have done hopscotch. You know, people had bits of chalk. Do you remember? People had bits of chalk. I used to have a bit of chalk years ago. I don't know if you remember this one. And as far as I remember, it was pink. And if you scraped it along the ground, you got sparks out of it. Do you remember that? Does that ring a bell somewhere in the dim recesses of the cobweb-infested brain? A little bit of pink thing. And you'd scrape it along the ground and you'd get sparks out of it. I've got, um, I've got two balls at home. And it's, uh, these are, I bought them from China. They're called bang balls. And what you do is they're, they're coated in like that stuff that's caps. And as you do them, they crack because it's like caps. Well, I found them the other day. I spent a good 10 minutes playing with them in my hand. It's the first time, actually, that I've... Uh, anyway, so... And, um, and and you scrape them together and you get this cracking and smoke. And it's really brilliant. I love it. Anyway, uh, what about the poor man in the paper? I'll tell you the story in a moment about uh, Brian Baldwin. Uh, Brian Baldwin was a cancer sufferer. 
He was given six months to live, so he did what many of you would want to do. He went on a spending spree. And we'll tell you about it in a moment. It's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. Thursday, 27th of uh, August. So here is this man. He's Brian. He is Brian Baldwin. Uh, Brian Baldwin, ten years ago, was told that he had terminal cancer. So he decided, as he had a, a bit of savings, that he'd go out in style. He'd blow his money. He'd blow the money. He was given six months and he thought, right, I'm going at everything. So he went uh, to Barbados. He went on a fishing trip in Spain. He went to Egypt. He literally went everywhere. He spent his money like there was no tomorrow because he thought, well, you can't take it with you. And uh, he had a lovely time, an absolutely lovely time. He's still alive. He's still he's still going strong. He cashed in his pension, determined to make the most of it. Since then, he's enjoyed a string of luxury holidays with his wife. They visited just about everywhere. Turkey, Vegas, San Francisco, Mexico, Orlando, Tunisia, Tunisia, Barbados, Egypt, Spain, Turkey. Fulfilling his dream has cost 40 grand, 15 grand on the holidays and 20 grand on improving their garden at their home in Redditch. Mr Baldwin says, when I heard the diagnosis, I saw it more as an opportunity than anything else. Never let it get me down. And, uh, and he's still going. Don't you, just feel, don't you just feel that around the corner, the Grim Reaper is waiting for him now, going, right, you've had your laugh. Anyway, he has survived, you know, this incredible amount of ten years on. He's still living. And he's probably thinking, well, it doesn't matter. You know, he, is, he isn't bitter about the money. He said that was just one of those things that, you know, I did it. And, uh, and I'm still alive. And that's, that's the nice thing about it, isn't it? That he's still going. One of the consultants... In uh, Birmingham's QE hospital said the initial prognosis was grim as the tumour had spread to his lungs. But after Brian started on the Nexofar medication, the tumours went into remission. And that's been the situation since 2007, as Brian has responded extremely well to the drugs and to the treatment. You see, some people do respond extremely well. Some people don't. He did. And he's still here. All those, uh, all those years later, I'm probably very happy to be so as well. So good luck to him. Actually, he's not the only person who did that. Liberace was told that uh, he had an illness as well and he was terminal. So he, he spent and, uh, and did loads of other things and gave money away and, and did all sorts of things. And when it turned out that, uh, that he wasn't going to die, he had to start working very hard to put everything else back in place. And I told you the story the other day. It's on YouTube, a British guy. Uh, it was obviously a big Liberace fan, and he's bought Liberace's old house and restored it to its former glory. When I say former glory, nowadays it looks a little bit tacky, but it's still the house that Liberace lived in. It's in the wrong part of Vegas. He bought it when it was uh, cheap land there. The house was, was built, and he put mirrors in and everything else, and, and it's lovely. If you like that kind of thing. But it was cheap to buy. 300,000 quid was enough to buy Liberace's house. And he spent a small fortune doing it up. He doesn't have any of Liberace's furniture or things like that. Because, um, because that's all gone. That's all gone. Age. I'd love to know where it all went to. He bought, I mean, he bought some really ghastly stuff. But if you, if you buy any documentary on Liberace, you'll see him showing you round the house with the outdoor bar and the, the pool with the piano keys on it, all of that sort of stuff. It's quite nice, really. I, I, I quite like that, to think that it's somebody's famous house, that they walked those corridors, that they lived there. And he was the highest paid entertainer 
in Las Vegas. Actually, I, I sent off the other day, ever since it announced that One, One Direction was splitting. And as I say, I couldn't care less, but it's the little girl fans who follow them and probably some little boy fans too, that they're all terribly upset about it. And I thought, I've got to see what the, what the fascination is with them. So I went onto YouTube and I bought their last tour on DVD. It was ever so cheap. It was only about £1.60 or something. So I've got that to look forward to this afternoon. I've also got Scylla Black on tour in Australia to look forward to. So, I mean, I'm kind of spoilt for choice today because I want to see what the excitement is about One Direction because this is how they're worth £27 million each. They do the uh, the shows, they do the big shows, they sell out the arenas and girls just sit there and scream from start to finish. But I, I can't wait to, to listen to it to see whether or not I think it's Memorex, you know, in which case they're, they're miming or failing that, they're singing along to themselves. I'm, I'm curious. And if they're auto-tuned... Because I think when you're dancing and jumping around, I don't think you can sing. I don't think it's possible. Madonna used to go on a, a hell of a kick. She would be seen running through London before any concert she embarked on. And she never sang all of her concerts. Do you remember the big debacle with her and Elton John where he said, you know, she mimes for a few of her songs. And then there was this spat backwards and forwards. And the answer is they have to, I think. If you're watching somebody on stage and they're about half a mile away from you, how can you tell whether they're singing live? You can't. If you, if you listen to the Spice Girls, that was so auto-tuned as to be almost unbelievable. It's got that little edge to it. Little, little tiny edge. So you have to, have to watch very carefully. So I'm going to watch this very carefully just to find out. I think what they do is they have, you know, sort of people singing and then when they come to the live bits at the end, they go, woo, thank you. Love all the flowers on the television for that uh, family that died in that plane crash in Canada, I think it was. I've never seen so many flowers. They were a, a lovely family. Absolutely lovely family. And uh, mum, dad and both kids uh, died. Absolutely awful. It really is absolutely tragic. Um, Mary says, uh, you made me laugh out loud with your bang balls. Well, actually, I didn't know that everybody knew what they were. The producer knows exactly what they were. I'm going to try and order some more. I'm not sure if they're called bang balls. Must be a name for them. They, they they probably come from China. It's a sort of daft thing. And I remember buying a box of them because it's very therapeutic. If you've ever held balls in your hand, it's very therapeutic to roll them round. You see people doing it as part of an act. You know, I've seen a guy on the television where he's got a big um, see-through ball, like a, you know, like a, a glass ball, and he can throw it up and then balance it on the back of his hand and then make it go up his arm and round the back and down. And I used to think that's a good act, isn't it? It doesn't take very much to travel. And so with these bang balls, it's therapeutic just to roll them in your hand and, and crack them. If I can find them today, I'll, I'll bring them in tomorrow. We'll do them on the programme. <laughs> just so you know what they are. And if anybody can remember what they're called, and that pink rock that if you scraped along the ground, you've got sparks off it. Somebody must remember these things. It can't, I cannot be the only one who remembers these things, you know, at my age. There must be loads of other people, loads of other people. Razor wire, helicopters, dogs. Hungary's beefing up its borders to halt migrants. It's amazing, actually, at the moment. Two and a half thousand, mainly Syrians, Afghans and Pakistanis, crossed into the country from Serbia on Tuesday, despite the new razor wire fence. Another 1,300 have been detained by early yesterday morning. This uh, fence is being constructed along the whole of the 110-mile border. But, of course, people will find a way to actually get over it, won't they? Or climb under it. Many of them climbing under it. 
Goes on all the time, doesn't it? Goes on all the time. And uh, what else do we have here? Oh, the um, the immigrant wedding man jailed. This is an illegal immigrant linked to one of Britain's largest ever sham marriage plots. Because once they've got the marriage thing, then they start claiming the benefits. And uh, this one here has been caught two years after going on the run. Tariq Mehmood, who was due to stand trial when he jumped bail and fled to Europe, was caught by his fingerprints while trying to find work. Uh, Mehmood and his Slovakian wife, Veronica, remained on the run for two years until he applied for a work permit in Spain and a cheque revealed he was wanted in the UK. So anyway, they've now jailed him only for 18 months. And uh, the wife was given a nine-month jail term suspended for two years. But I did find a story in the papers and I was going to bring it to you. The reason I was going to bring it to you is because I'm one of those who would very much like to see the back of the rickshaws in London, uh, mainly... Uh, peddled by illegals, drug dealers, and uh, now it turns out, rapists. Uh, We found one in the paper for today who's just been convicted in court of of attacking a woman who uh, very unwisely got into his unlicensed rickshaw. Uh, These people are crooks of the highest order. They shouldn't be allowed on the streets of London. Why they're still here after all these years, I've got no idea. And, uh, as I say, perhaps perhaps the next mayor of London will, will come in and just get rid of them. I don't I don't think we need them. I think it's such a daft idea, but they appear to be around the world. I don't think it makes it a good idea. It's almost as stupid as Mr Corbyn and his carriages for women only. Every single person I've spoken to from yesterday went, what a ridiculous idea. I said, yeah, I've never heard anything so stupid. Might as well go back to the Dark Ages, but that's where he comes from. So we might as well go back there and enjoy it. Because the next thing, there'll be sort of, you know, whites-only carriage. Then there'll be sort of gay-only carriage, transgender-only carriages. Here's a very odd picture. I never thought I'd see this one. This is uh, Kate Moss fighting to save her marriage. Who's she pictured swimming around with in the sea? None other than Richard Bacon. What do they have in common? Drug scandals, both of them. Richard Bacon, who was fired from Blue Peter because uh, because of his uh, cocaine. And uh, and poor old uh, Kate Moss as well, who, uh, who is thought to have uh, made friends with him. Uh, they're both close to Nick Grimshaw, which is rather strange. The uh, model was dropped by several brands in 2005 after being pictured allegedly snorting the drug. I'm not naive enough to think that people don't do drugs. I couldn't care less, actually. It makes no difference to me. As long as it doesn't offend the horses, they can do what they like with their money. And uh, But Richard Bacon and Kate Moss, what an odd combination. What a very odd combination. So uh, I'm sure that that will... Im- I wonder if they're going out... What are they going out? Wait a minute. He's 30. Is he 39? She's 41. So they're roughly the same sort of ages. Uh, she's oh, she's still married, isn't she? So I'm assuming that that won't be possible for uh, for some some time. I mean, they seem to be having a nice time. But there again, if you're pottering about on a luxury yacht and you're uh, and you're bobbing around on the beautiful briny sea, it's probably quite easy to fall in love with somebody, isn't it? I would have thought so. Uh, front page of the mirror. I like this idea of drinking water and losing weight. The idea being that before you have... Oh, my God. Before you have a meal, you're supposed to drink water. And they're saying about two and a half pints of water, which seems an awful amount of water to me. Now, I do drink a lot of water. I do drink a lot of water. And I love it. Whether or not I've actually thought that it's going to help me lose weight, I've got no idea. I just do it as a, as a cleanser. In other words, you know, if you drink lots of tea and coffee, it's good occasionally to have a flush through the system and to drink water is good for you. In fact, this morning's about the only morning I've forgotten to bring the water in, but I'm sure I will. There's a lovely picture in the paper I'll tell you about after the uh, news. And if you're frightened of heights, 
you're not going to like this uh, picture at all, so I shall describe it in the best way possible. Uh, Zayn Malik is the new Michael Jackson. I don't really think he is, but somebody said that. Uh, shot dead on live television. But should we be shown the pictures? Should we have to relive the video? This is a woman whose life was ended uh, at point-blank range by a lunatic who then shot himself and died in hospital. But uh, why her? Why the cameraman? Who did he have the grudge against? You know, has he? Uh, did he want a relationship with her? Did he want to be a friend and she didn't want him? I've got no idea. We'll talk about that after the news, which is next on LBC, because it's early breakfast, and you're very welcome. On FM, online. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, and very nice to be company. Thursday, 27th of August. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. So, should we be seeing these pictures on the front of the papers of the uh, of the shot dead telly reporter Alison Parker? Is it the kind of thing that you know young people picking up a newspaper today should have to look at? Do they believe what's actually happening? This is the end of this woman's life. The gunman filmed himself and then posted it on the internet. And the Sun are actually offering you the chance to watch the chilling video. They've even described it as chilling. I wonder how many people will log on and watch it. Drink water and lose weight, the VAT mystery, and Zayn Malik apparently is the new Michael Jackson. I think not. I think not. Oh, and petrol. Going down again, which is good news, isn't it, in time for the bank holiday. There's a man here sitting on a, a, a rock. It's, uh, it's in Norway. And Norway is absolutely beautiful, as you know, if you've ever been to the fjords. Uh, This rock is jutting out. I mean, it looks... I mean, he's literally sitting on the edge. It makes me feel ill even watching it. The drop underneath him is 2,000 feet. And what he does, he's sitting right at the... It's almost like this rock comes to a point and he's sitting right... I mean, it could break. It could absolutely break. I mean, that's what's so awful about it. And he doesn't have a parachute on. He comes from Godalming. His name's Tony... Toby Seeger. And, and then he stands up and does a backflip. Well, frankly, even just saying it makes me feel slightly queasy. And so they've got somebody taking the pictures of him. It's the fact, though, that you look at this rock and he's sitting right at the very edge and you think, but it might break. It might just snap. You might just... Because he looks like he's carrying a bit of weight. And, and it, just, it just looks awful. It just looks awful. And I hate pictures like that. I'm not very good at those sort of things at all. Uh, the Beeb can't have its cake and eat it. Tory media boss says the corporation shouldn't try to be ITV. And so they've got the deeply unfunny Mel and Sue, uh, the ones who you suddenly realise just how unfunny... I think they've actually peaked on the Great British Bake Off because their daytime show was pants. Absolute rubbish. I think because they're just not funny. You know, they are not French and Saunders. They're not Ruby Wax. They're, no, they're just deeply, deeply unfunny. And uh, Mel Gidroyd, she tried her hands at uh, game show presenting. Pitifully awful. Pitifully awful. Um... Other stories in the uh, papers today. The uh, the oldest victim of the suckers list. This is where they uh, they cheat people, and it's a mailing list used by fraudsters. Dodgy catalogue firms conned dementia sufferer Leslie Job out of sixty grand because what they did they bombarded him with these letters going you've won a fortune and um, but and and you can have these prizes but you have to order goods from our catalogue. If you order goods from the catalogue, you get this prize. 
And as I've said before, no such thing as a free lunch. And over ten years, his home became full of worthless products, including tablets to help with arthritis, blood pressure and the digestive system. Trading standards said he was targeted by firms from around the world after his name and address was placed on the list. The problem only came to light when Leslie moved into respite care while the family renovated his home. His daughter, who's 72, he's 103, was shocked that her dad, who was always careful with money, had been conned in this way. She said the catalogue companies used to send him prized drawers, saying that he'd won a plasma TV or a trip or he'd won a lot of money. Of course he hadn't. With dad, a lot of it was because he was lonely after mum passed away and it gave him something to do. I mean, these, uh, you know, the, uh, the council have offered help uh, there's about a 1,000 people that they know of on this list. And what they do, they're told... The, the, the fraudsters couldn't care less whether he's old, elderly, senile, dementia, Alzheimer's. They couldn't... They just want the money. They will take the money. Some people are like that. They couldn't care less. It's like people who come round and offer to tarmac your drive or start repairing your roof. They couldn't care less whether you're elderly or infirm. They just want to rip you off. That's all they care about. And you know what sort of people they are. The police now say they know all the 11 show... Uh, the 11 air show victims. There was some discussion the other day that they were having trouble identifying people. And they're not sure whether or not the uh, Shoreham crash jet suffered flame-out. I don't know if you've ever heard of flame-out before, but they say before the crash, this orange flash appeared from the Hawker Hunter. Now, somehow, the engine stopped or restarted again. We're not, we're not too sure. Uh, the pilot, Andrew Hill, is likely to be quizzed if he regains consciousness. At the moment, he hasn't. I suspect he'll pull through. Mind you, having said that, that could be the could be the kiss of whatever, couldn't it, really? So we hope that he does. But, I mean, it's just bizarre. They've had to halt another air show because they don't meet the expected requirements now. So what they've actually done is they've um, they've postponed this other air show until next year. So people who've actually got tickets for this year... Uh, they'll valid for next year while they make sure that everything is in place. Uh, who's this? Oh, this. <laughs> I mean, why would it be remotely interesting that Gary Lineker goes out for something to eat with his wife wearing a, a see-through blouse? Perhaps not so they wear it where they come from. I don't know. But they went to... They, they call it Celebrity Hotspot. Last place you want to go to, isn't it? A Celebrity Hotspot. You know, if the best you're going to get is Gary Lineker and his dreary wife. God, you'd rather go and eat at McDonald's. Uh, then the... Uh, the safari guide killed by a lion hailed a hero who gave his life to save tourists. They were doing a walking tour through a safari park and uh, mauled to death by this lion. They've all got names as opposed to just lion. This one was called Naxa. Uh, same park in Zimbabwe where Cecil the lion was shot dead. Uh, the boss there says he literally stopped the attack of the lion on his group by placing himself directly in harm's way. He unflinchingly faced the charging lion. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I think that must be the bravest thing you could ever do. I can't think of anything worse. I cannot think of anything worse. You can only hope that it's over mercifully quickly. Because a lion pouncing on top of you, I mean, they, they don't mess around. You know, you're not going to pat it on the head. Uh, this, uh, this lion had only one testicle. Well, it was obviously angry to start with, I should imagine. And it moved in so fast... Um, that he had no time to lift his rifle up. It was that fast. Even though he'd been warned, apparently earlier this year, that uh, a guest from another lodge had said that the lion was dangerous. It called him a legendary elephant hunter, adding, if you're lucky enough to see him, be very wary. Well, so they go on a walking tour through a park with a dangerous lion in it. I mean, you're kind of asking for trouble, aren't you? 
you're kind of asking for trouble. A few stories about Caroline Flack in the paper, but, I mean, as she's so dreary, I didn't think we'd actually uh, worry about her at all. But we did worry about little Ed Shearing, uh, Ed Sheeran, who posted a photograph of his lionless chest. Uh, the epic tattoo had just been a bit of a joke. Honestly, he's a joker, isn't he? A little joker. It wasn't even a tattoo at all. How dull. <laughs> no little thing for forlorn One Direction fans, says Polly Hudson. She should know about these sort of things. The the One Direction fans are very upset. and uh, But they, they have been assured by members of One Direction that uh, they're not splitting up. They're just having a rest. No, they're not. No, they're not. Listen, if they say that they're having a rest to pursue other projects, they're splitting up. Let's not try and make it any, any better for the poor people who are going to have to suffer. There's no point in trying to soften the blow. Tell them the truth. They're splitting up and they won't be getting back together ever again. All right? That's how it, They're probably sick to death of seeing each other, I should imagine, by now. They always are. I turned on the other day. What did I turn on? Brian Connolly's got this programme on. They, they're having trouble finding guests because all the people are on there. It's like watching a rerun of Celebrity Big Brother. They're all the people you don't like. And they're the sort of people that they're going to put on Celebrity Big Brother, as I guarantee. Tonight, when they start wheeling them in, then they start waving. There'll be boo, boos and everything else as you suddenly realise how awful these people are. I quite like to find the McDonald's where you can do the touch screen to make your own burger. I'm quite liking this idea. They say that there's about 100 branches have actually got this because our tastes for burgers have gone up market, whereas McDonald's... You know, we're constantly trying to find new ways. Burger King, constantly trying to find new ways. And I still cannot get the answer. And you'd have thought by now I'd have found somebody who used to work for Burger King. Do they cook anything in Burger King or is it just microwave? Do they actually cook? I mean, why do you never... You know when you go into a kebab shop and you ask for a burger, you can watch it cooking on the grill. Makes a noise and there's things shooting. You go into a Burger King, I don't ever see that at all. The only things I ever see is them sort of deep frying... Their sort of fries or whatever it is that they do, or their little sort of hash browns in the morning. But I never see any burgers being flipped over. And that's why I asked the question, are they cooking anything in there? Or is it just coming in and it's already been cooked elsewhere and they just reheat it? They assemble the burger in there. But the burger, I've never seen anybody. There's only one girl working in the one in, in Twickenham. On many an occasion, one girl, well, she can't be cooking and serving. How does that happen? Something not right there. Something not right. Mine's a bit like kids' company, isn't it? Something definitely not right with kids' company. They're now saying that questions have got to be asked. You know, this this woman, the arrogance of her, that uh, that she now refuses to accept any responsibility for the fact that uh, it was an unmitigated disaster. Far from sort of saving everybody and people saying, oh, this is going to be anarchy if this company doesn't get loads and loads of money shoved into it. Yeah, loads and loads of money shoved into it so they can send people to private school, pay for a sex change operation. As I said before, it's like a cash cow for this Camilla woman. You know, it had happened for so long, you can imagine, and then you take the toy away. And then she goes on every single programme. She appears on LBC, she appears on television, everything. This is, this is the media who've done this to me. No, no, you've done it. You've done it. You were the one who closed the company down. We didn't close it down. Financial mismanagement and some of the other allegations don't even bear thinking about. It should never, ever be allowed to resurface. But it's funny, isn't it? They were saying, oh, of course, you know, children will be starving. and Well, we haven't seen any evidence. I'm still waiting. It's been gone a few months, isn't it, now? Still nothing at all. Nothing at all going on. I'm fascinated by the other story in the paper today, and I'll, I'll come round to it in a moment, about the cars. And this is in, I think this is in, is it London? Might be, actually. Might be. Um, which have been seized because they're uninsured. 
And the cars are sort of top of the range. You can understand if somebody's driving, you know, something that isn't top of the range, that, you you know, you wouldn't bother with the insurance because it might be 150, 160 quid. If you're driving a top of the range car, like a, a Bentley, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, then you would think if you could afford to drive those, you could afford the insurance. I mean, I've just paid the insurance on mine and fully comp for everything. Uh, it's £703 for the year. Because I'm in one of those businesses where they don't like to insure you at all. You know the reason? You know the reason why people in the media... I remember years and years ago when I phoned up to get an insurance quote and they said, all right, what do you do for a living? I'm a radio presenter. And the question came back, are you actually on the radio? And I went, yes, I'm actually on the radio. Click. That was... (laughs) Most of them didn't even want to insure. And the reason is, why do they charge you a fortune? And we fit into the same category, surprisingly, as jockeys. Jockeys also have very, very high insurance. I mean, I think for my car, which is a, you know, six and three quarter litre car, it's very powerful, that £703 a year for in this business, I didn't think was too bad at all. And, uh, and so I, I went for it. The reason is, I might have celebrities in the car. I might be taking a celebrity and we might be involved in an accident and they might be suing big time. And, of course, the truth of the matter is I have had lots of celebrities in my car over the years. Lots and lots of celebrities. And so that's why the insurance is high. It's odd, though, isn't it? You would think that, you know, in this business they go, all right, you're on the radio. Oh, we give you a a cheaper rate. But these people don't have any insurance at all. And they're driving better cars than mine. Much better cars. So where's it all gone wrong? We had a guy the other day. He was a bodybuilder, was not even insured in his car, and that was a Bentley as well, in Ealing, I think. All very odd. So, in other words, they can afford to have the car, but they can't afford to insure it. Crooks. I am a truth handler. I love listening. That just makes me laugh. It just makes me laugh. Nick and the team at breakfast this morning. Not too many laughs. As a teen pleads guilty to terror charges, should she be named or remain anonymous? I'd quite like to know who she is. Would you not, if she was living next door to you? We'll give you the latest on the terrifying Virginia shooting. And are you offended by Donald Trump's latest comments on migrants in America? Looking at the papers for Nick today, Chris Blackhurst. And that's all after the morning news with Sarah Jane Mee. So just going back to these cars, which apparently this year they've hauled in 27,688 cars. Because if you don't have insurance, they, they seize they seize. I mean, I think, really, it's a bit like Ferris Bueller's day off. They get them in the station, they go, we've got a Ferrari in. Woo! They like that. And uh, so, so far, they've had ten Bentleys, two Ferraris and three Lamborghinis. And uh, apparently, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Thousands of motorists are driving without insurance, which is truly terrifying. Those without insurance drive up premiums for all other motorists. And can you know, I mean, for, I mean, for everyday motorists to be covering the cost of a driver who can afford a Ferrari is a bit of a travesty. And a, and a rising number of drivers uh, calling out the breakdown services have run out of petrol. What buffoon runs out of petrol? I mean, it's the first thing I look at in the car and I think, right, we went down yesterday, so I'm looking at the petrol and I'm going to go down to my brother's on Monday because it's his birthday and so I'll need to put more, more petrol in the car. Who runs out of petrol? It's really bad to run out of petrol. You know why it's bad to run out of petrol? Because the sludge at the bottom of the petrol tank, and once that gets into, you know, anything above a, a reasonable sort of car nowadays, it can completely screw it up. But I'm more worried about the fact that it's Bentley owners who don't seem to have the insurance. Admittedly, it's only ten that they've seen, but it's the it sees them, but it's the fact that somebody's actually driving a Bentley and they've got no insurance on it, and that's what worries me nowadays. But of course, if you're anywhere near a police car and they've got their little equipment on, which they have most of the time. 
They only have to flick a little switch and they can see whether you've got insurance. They can see whether you've got an MOT. They can, they can tell you everything about the car. They can even tell you if the person driving it has got a licence. So be warned, if you get pinched, you lose the car. And we've seen it on the police interceptor programmes and all the other things, of people who sit there losing their cars. They pull them in and they go, oh, hello, we've just pulled you in. We said, because the car was showing us um, not having any insurance. They go, no, I've got insurance. This bloke brazened it out. No, I've got insurance. And they said, have you got it on you? He said, no, it's a home. He said, I've definitely got insurance. So they, they said, well, I'll tell you what, let's actually go back, shall we? So they went back to this uh, bloke's house. He produces the insurance document and they go, oh, he has got insurance. But anyway, they then phone up to check. And of course, he was a crook. Because what he'd done is what a few people do. Not everybody, but a few people. They buy the insurance on the monthly. They get the certificate. Then they only pay one month. Then they stop paying. But they've got the certificate that shows for the year. But, of course, the police computer throws that up. They also had a great one the other day, which was the increasing problem of people driving into petrol stations, filling up and driving off. Well, they've got number plate recognition. Unfortunately for this particular guy, the police saw him. He pulls into a, a filling station and there was something about the car that he didn't quite like and he sort of looked at the number plate. Anyway, the car then reverses into the car wash, so they didn't think anything of it. Then they, they follow the car out. When they eventually pull it, the, the copper goes, he said, I think I'm going a bit blind, he said. I swear to God that had a V plate on it. And he looked at it, and it was a different number plate. What had the guy done? He'd attached with sticky tape, and this is when he'd reversed into the garage. Luckily, the police went back and found the plate. He'd reversed into a garage with a fake plate on it, filled up with 40 quid's worth of petrol, and then driven out of the garage. But, of course, he'd taken the number plate off the car. So it looked like a different car. Same car, of course, but uh, different number plate on it. And so they actually got him, and, uh, and he had to pay a huge fine. He had to pay for all the petrol and everything else. So that's what people do nowadays. They put a false plate on the car and then just drive off. I've seen two people driving off from filling stations. You wouldn't have thought it was possible in this day and age, but people do. I think you should have sort of, you know, very shortly we'll have filling stations that have got little ramps with spikes on. And until you've paid, they're not going to lower the thing. And, you, you know, we can do all your tyres which would be fairly simple. Uh, when I was recommending earlier on, and I've not found a name for these balls, people have sort of come up with, with different names, but I think you're thinking about the, the yin and yang balls are the ones which are silver in colour and have got little bells or chimes inside them for going round. I want the ones that crack together, which are, have got this coating on, similar to the coating in caps, which used to have in cap guns years ago. And in fact, poor old Tommy says, I've tried holding the balls and spinning them round in one hand. I'm now on my way to A&E. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Uh, Steve, there was an advertising tagline for Rolls-Royce many years ago that said, if you want to know how many miles to the gallon it does, you can't afford it. Really? They use that as a tagline? Blimey. I wouldn't have thought they ever needed to try and sell Rolls-Royces. They sell, sell themselves. Apparently, I used to work for Burger King. The burgers are flame-grilled. But where? They don't do that in the stores, do they? I've never seen any flames rising up for any of them. And they're left in a steamer or a warmer once cooked. When an order is placed, they're microwaved for a minute and built into the burger style ordered. Right. So when they're flame grilled, are they flame grilled elsewhere? Because I've never seen any cooking in... I'm going to have to... I'm going to go round the back of this blasted place because I've never seen any flames or anything like that. The girl on the front of the till doesn't look like she could add up three and three together. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious about that. Curious about that one. It's, it's something that's worried me for quite some time. I'm going to have to check it out. I'm going to have to check it out because, you know, when it sort of, it, it does actually sort of, uh, 
know, if something worries me enough, I have to, I have to know about it. Somebody here says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, sorry. Um, apparently, I used to work in Burger King. The burgers come in frozen. They go into a grill, which is on a loop, a bit like hotel toasters. Comes out the other side, so you can't see the flames. What was actually flames inside an enclosed space? Really? So they come in for it. Well, I'm going to have to check this out, you know. I'm, I'm very doubtful of this. Very doubtful. They go into a grill, which is on a loop, a bit like hotel toasters. So they, so they just keep going round and round, do they? <sighs> I'm not totally convinced. <laughs> uh, 84850, uh, The story about the man and spending all that money, because he was given six months to live, is in uh, practically all the, uh, the papers today. You can't help but feel we would all do exactly the same thing, wouldn't we? We would all do that. If somebody said, listen, you've got six months left to live, I'd be eating cream cakes like there was no tomorrow. I would be living in Patisserie Valerie. There would be no hold... I'd be eating every cake... There was a famous actress years ago, and uh, she was under great pressure to, uh, to keep the weight off, because uh, if you're slightly overweight... And you're on film or on television, it emphasises it. It puts it puts extra pounds on. Must be awful for Gemma Collins, really. But never mind. We laugh at the poor girl's misery. And um, and you sort of think to yourself, right? So this particular actress, they said, listen, you have to you have to keep the weight off because otherwise, you know, nobody's going to want a fat actress. And so she said, I shall I shall make a million and then I shall stop. And so that's exactly what she did. She sort of starved herself, made the million dollars, and then went back to eating the cream cakes. Died very happy. Died very happy indeed. Uh, John Chilcott snubbing the grieving families. They just don't care, do they? It appears that they're not remotely interested. Uh, But we are interested in uh, Amanda Redman. My God. And uh, she's resorted to some new tricks. Botox and fillers. She looks good, actually. She looks very good. Botox and fillers. I keep thinking I must have Botox. I keep thinking, but would it enhance me you know would I actually be better looking is it possible to be better looking and does it really make any difference on the radio the answer is it probably doesn't but inwardly you think to yourself I'm a little bit older than I want to be mentally and physically I think I'm much younger but uh, but I'm just thinking if I had Botox and then I think oh I couldn't bear it it's too dangerous isn't it I'd be too worried about it but I quite like the idea of having some sort of thing but I don't want to end up looking like Simon Cowell who seems to have no expression in his face whatsoever and that's, that's what worries me. I, I think I'd, I would quite like to have some sort of expression. That's what makes you, you know, the personality which you are. The senior moments stories in all the papers. The producers poo-pooed it straight away. Poo-pooed it straight away. Like that. Didn't really care about it. Because it's a story that um, senior moments, you know, we all have that. We always go, oh, I've just had a senior moment. Well, only worry if you didn't notice it. And somebody else noticed it. I mean, I've done things before. I've been on the phone to a friend of mine. I said, oh, d- what about so-and-so, so-and-so? And she went... I told you that yesterday. And I went, did you? I said, did I speak to you yesterday? And she'll go, do you not remember? And I go, um, yeah. And you sit there racking your brain thinking, did I speak to somebody yesterday? I can't remember some of the time. I think that's quite good, actually. I think it's quite good. I mean, and, but I always put it down to the fact, oh, sorry, I'm just having a bit of a senior moment. But they say here, when you lose your car keys and then you go upstairs only to forget why... Because you do that, don't you? Of course, if, if you haven't gotten upstairs, this is a pointless exercise because you'll be climbing out onto the roof. But if you sort of, if you, you, you lose your car keys and you think, I wonder where they are. Oh, I know, I'll, I'll go and have a look in the bedroom. You get into the bedroom and you stand there going, what the heck am I doing in here? You can't, I do that all the time. I do that all the time. I, start, I think, right, I must do so-and-so. Walk up the stairs, get in there. What am, I doing? what am I looking for? And you have to then retrace your steps. It's a senior moment. But you don't need to worry about it if you didn't remember it was a senior moment. 
How cool is that? There you go. It's made your life much easier, isn't it? Oh, by the way, it is LBC. I am Steve Allen. It is early breakfast, and this is the news. Steve Allen on LBC. I always feel quite grateful for the fact that I've never been hacked. My friend Lee Jones, uh, he's been hacked. He said he's now got to change all his passwords again. And you think, I've never been hacked. I've never had... uh, I, I get spam at work, but we have such a great filter here that it sort of it sort of knocks everything out. But I've never been hacked. I think it's because I don't sort of hand out email addresses or things like that to anybody, or there's nowhere where you could sort of ever find it, which I think makes it so much easier. I don't know why. And also, really, if people want to see what I'm buying from Amazon, I'll just tell you it's so much easier. <laughs> One Direction at the moment. Uh, John the Cabby, South London, says, In our filling stations, we should do what they do in the States. You go to the kiosk, pay for the fuel, the pump is then set to dispense that much. Yes, I mean, I think perhaps they should be automatic. You put a 20-quid note in, it gives you 20 quids worth of petrol, Massibia. And that would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? As opposed to people going in there and then people just drive off. And and there is a lot of that. There is a lot of that that actually goes on. Uh, It must be really frustrating. Really frustrating. And uh, Sean says, the only balls we have are the ones on the string. Oh, they're not dealy boppers, are they? And you cracked them over your wrist until they got banned. You know those ones you went, tick, 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 the clacker things, weren't they? That was two, and you had a piece of, I'm sure that was, perhaps dealy boppers was something else. But I do remember them, and you, and you could crack them, and they went at such a pace. I do remember that, actually, it was two, wasn't it? You had, yes, it was, definitely two. But uh, Asda have cashless self-service pumps, says Mary. Oh, they're all over the place. Oh, you, you can go into most filling stations now, and you can either choose to pay in the office, or you can, um, or you can pay at the pump, which is always you can put a, put a card in or something like that. But we're talking about the the people that sort of drive off. They put put the fuel in, and then they just put the thing back in, and off they go. Of course, you do get caught unless they've actually put these fake numbers on, which is what this this uh, bloke uh, did the other day on the television. But they caught him. But it's the, it's how brazen they are. It's how brazen. They, they, uh, they pinched a couple of shoplifters. I mean, you knew they were shoplifters straight away. They just looked like shoplifters. And they opened up the boot of the car and they had all these bags from this uh, particular company and a pair of pliers for taking off the security tags. And, uh, and he went, well, you know, you're going equipped. They ended up getting off with it because they couldn't prove that it was them that had done it. But uh, this, this woman stood there. She had convictions for, for shoplifting. So she said, you know, this is absolutely outrageous, all the rest of it. And she sort of pretended she'd never been in a police station before or she was being charged. But um, she said, no, I just bought the car. It's amazing how many people who were stopped by the road have only just bought the car and had no idea what was in the boot. Hilarious, wasn't it? Yes, stolen items, dear. Who'd have thought of it? Uh, what about petrol stations, says Mario, and offering prepay only? Pay first, then get the fuel. Yeah, I think they do that in, a, in America. Not everywhere, because you do rely... I mean, it does get ridiculous, doesn't it? When you... Start thinking to yourself, there are so many dishonest people, so many dishonest people in the country that they've got to do things like that. Iceland have had to start putting their meat in plastic boxes to stop people pinching it. Seriously, legs of lamb were walking out the door. People walk into Ireland, pick, uh, Iceland, pick up something and walk straight out again. Used to be students from the local schools. I remember I, I mentioned it on the programme and the boss of Iceland got to hear about it. So they sort of upped the ante. They upped the ante and they now checked that to move all the booze because all the alcoholics were going round and they were just picking up a bottle of wine and walking straight out the door. Because, you know, which company is going to bother taking somebody to court for a four quid bottle of wine? The answer is they don't. They don't take people to court for that. And these, these people who thieve know it. Uh, the BBC licence fee is here for another ten years, says the minister. Oh, dear. How dreary. Why don't they just do away with it and put advertising on? 
I mean, I'm sure that would work, wouldn't it? Uh, Council's using more bailiffs. Why? Because you're not paying your bills. Apparently, local authorities have been accused of employing aggressive methods. Uh, Two million debts to bailiffs last year. In other words, if you fall behind on your uh, little bits and pieces, then they send somebody round. And some people just go, well, I haven't got any money. What are you going to do? They go, we're going to send the bailiff round. Yeah, yeah. and? You know, it gets to that standoff. The the police programme I mentioned the other day involved two, let's just call them foul-mouthed little girls who were going to get themselves into trouble, whichever way you were going to look at it. They were in a children's home, but they'd absconded. But apparently the police have no powers to take them back to the home. Couldn't quite work that out. In other countries, they'd have dragged them there screaming. And uh, and so they, they, they would, you know, put in the car and he said, I'm going to take, take you back. And well, I don't want to go back there. And they were so bullshit at the age of 14. One of them was drunk at the age of 14. I don't know why I'm surprised at this nowadays. You tend to see on a Friday and Saturday night drunk girls all over the place, be it Richmond or uh, Twickenham. Uh, turmeric's very good. Actually, Joe, strange you should mention turmeric. I bought in Costco yesterday turmeric tablets. You take three, apparently, before a meal. Whether it's going to change anything, I don't know. I didn't know that turmeric came in tablets. And I'm quite excited by it, because if you go to Costco in America, or in fact, if you go to America full stop, on each corner in America, there tend to be these huge chemists, and they do all the stuff in there that here you've got to get on prescription. Over there, they don't bother with half of it. You can buy all sorts of stuff. And I have bought tablets before, you know, green tea tablets, green tablets for this. This increases, you know, your hair growth and this makes your nails grow and this one does this. I mean, I've never found them to be any use whatsoever. But I saw turmeric tablets the other day and I thought, oh, they're about £17 for a tub of them. But they were tablets, so I can't, I can't wait to try them. I don't think it's going to make any difference to my life. But, I, but you know, you do like to feel... If you if you sort of take things like that, that it's doing you some good. It's like drinking Yakult, isn't it? Or taking fish tablets, oily tablets. And then they said the fish oil tablets don't make the slightest difference. You could eat as many as you like. You're still your mind's still going to go, I'm afraid. And when they say it improves your memory, I mean, how do you know it improves your memory? How would you know if your memory had got better or if it's ex- at exactly the same state it would have been? Had you not taken the tablets? And the answer is you don't know these things. Uh, Thank you to Merle very much indeed for... um, We had a lot of problems the other day with giving a cat a tablet. And uh, that went down quite well with with, with cat lovers. Now we have a a better one for you, which is uh, how to wash a toilet. And uh, this one, you can follow this advice or you can just totally ignore me. If if you put both lids of the toilet up, okay, so there's the, the top lid. See, I can't put the top lid down on mine because it's got a light on it. Don't ask. Best not to know. And then you lift the other lid up. And what you do is you add an eighth of pet shampoo to the water in the bowl. OK, just an eighth, not not too much of it. Pick up your cat, gently cradling him in your arms. Slowly stroke him as you carry him towards the bathroom. In one smooth movement, you put the cat in the toilet and close the lid. Now, you may need to stand on the lid at this particular moment. The cat will self-agitate and make ample suds. Never mind the noises that come from the toilet. The cat actually enjoys this. Flush the toilet two or three times. This provides a power wash and a rinse. Have somebody open the front door of your house. Be sure that there are no people between the bathroom and the front door. Stand behind the toilet as far as you can and quickly lift the lid. The cat will shoot out of the toilet and straight out of the front door and he will then dry himself off. Both the toilet and the cat will be sparkly clean. There you go. You see? So I've saved you all that time and money and effort. And all it involves is you and the cat. The cat, of course, will never trust you ever again. We took our our cat years ago to be done. 
at the vet. And, yes, have that little... And, and we brought it back, and you could tell it hated us. It just sat there in front of the television, just staring at us like, you swine, you swine. <laughs> Made it a lot easier for us, though. Our cat used to have fur balls. If you've got a long-haired cat, they, uh, ours used to eat grass. My mother used to say, the cat's going to be sick. Put it outside, cat's going to be sick. And you'd lift the cat up as it was heaving about all over the place. <laughs> we just got used to it. Just got used to it. Canockers, Jill says. Canockers. There you go. Two balls on the string. When they hit your wrist, they really hurt. Canockers. Yeah, they go... I thought they'd see clackers. Somebody thought clackers as well. Jason is a very tired sovereign driver. He says there is a garage on the A5 that makes you pay for fuel first. If you look out your window, I'll wave at you as I've just passed the studio. Well, you can't... Listen, I could look out the window here. It wouldn't make the slightest difference. I'm not in the usual studio. I'm not in big studio today. I'm in little studio. So you can't uh, you can't see me and I can't see you. In fact, the nearest window looks... Yes, I can see you, I know, waving at the producer. He started doing that waving thing, which I find slightly disturbing. Thankfully, HR open in about three hours' time, so I'll better have a quiet word with them in there. Apparently, you can't get petrol in the new card, only Asda card. It goes in the machine. The bank calculates how much you can have, and then it comes off the card before the petrol is dispensed. The bank calculates how much you can have. What sort of bank is that? You're obviously on a limited budget or something. I've never heard of that. The bank calculate how much you can have. Well, I've never heard of that. Uh, the, the Chinese health shops on Charing Cross Road, says Jenny, for the balls. Uh, right. Clackers, says Malcolm. A new Max on Cambridge Circus has these screens. I've got to try it, actually. I'm, I'm curious about it. This is a screen in McDonald's, so you sort of you order in advance your burger. You sort of make your burger. But it's going to be surrounded by kids, isn't it? Luckily, they go back to school very shortly. I can't wait. Cannot wait. I left my car in a car park in Byfleet, Steve, after a night out. There's a place to leave the car. The next day, a policeman called at the flat to say my number plate had been caught on camera at a petrol station in Weybridge where somebody had filled up with fuel and driven off. The crazy thing was, my car's a blue Mercedes, but the thieves had put my front number plate on a red Vauxhall Corsa and a different number plate on the back. Yeah, because the uh, the uh, number plate recognition only captures the front of the car. They don't do on the reverse of the car. Seems a bit odd, doesn't it? But that's the way it, uh, that's the way it works, I'm afraid. Uh, Sean says, I work in a store security. 40% of shoplifting is by staff and their family and friends. Yeah. Oh, I've, always, I've been saying that for donkey's years. And why? Because it's easy to do if you work there. That's why you've got to watch the staff in shops. They're always the ones who are sort of the ones who are doing the thieving. It's it's so easy now, isn't it? You know, you just you know, if if you are somebody who's actually you know got friends and relatives coming in, you get a job working in there. We've had people working in banks who thieve from people's bank accounts. So you know, to take a few items is you never find people in restaurants thieving. What can they thieve? You know, somebody left a sausage on a plate. Oh, good. Let's share that later. No, it doesn't work like that at all. It's uh, coming up to within about thirty seconds, quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 12 minutes to uh, 6 is the time being Thursday morning, and luckily today not as bad uh, in the weather department as it was yesterday. Yesterday was so dreadful. I mean, it seriously was. I seriously, Once you're stuck on the motorway and you're pootling along and there's still cars going past you, you do fear. Small wonder there are accidents all over the place. But yesterday it was just flooding. Flooding everywhere. So uh, uh, apologies if you got caught up in it, but luckily today there shouldn't be anything like that. So it's going to be, I mean, not necessarily the best day, not the best day. Apparently, it's a maximum of £99 as the pumps, no matter how much money you have in the bank. Oh, right, the pump sets that. See, the trouble is £99 doesn't fill my car up. So what do you do with that? Do you... Oh, no, it doesn't fill it up. No, most cars now, not necessarily mine, 
you know, there are lots of uh, lots of cars that sort of, you know, have bigger petrol tanks. BMWs, I should imagine, would cost about 120 or 130 pounds to fill up. Easy, easy. So how on earth, you know, they go £99. I suppose it's £99, that's what they think. It's like, how much money can you take out of the, uh, out of the diddly-dip machine? You know, can you... It's a big fight going on on the television, isn't it? I was looking at it, but I don't know where it is. Yeah, there's somebody gets punched and they go down, but I don't know where, where was that? Was that some seaside resort we were watching? There's all these news stories coming in, but of course the main one that dominates the papers today is the two shot dead in the live TV horror. I mean, seriously, I mean, yeah, you've seen some things in your time. I'm not sure I should be looking at pictures of that on the front page. I, I really don't uh, don't think. <coughs> uh, another one here, which says, a lot of people talking about the uh, the amount of money that you can put in, which is interesting. And um, apparently you can buy a packet of turmeric uh, for a pound or two. Yeah, but, but these, these are tablets. These are sort of, you know, better better tablets, much better tablets. Uh, and it's supposed to be good. I don't know. I've got uh, a little tub of turmeric, which I use. If ever you get a cold or a cough, and we've had coughs in our time, we had that dreadful, it must have whizzed through the office like there was nobody's business, and you couldn't get rid of this cough. And every so often I was coughing on the programme because, and you know, unfortunately doing a programme where you rely very much on your voice and speaking all the time, it put immense strain on it. And literally it was like somebody tickling the back of your throat. You know, really, really awful. Really, really awful. And so, consequently, I was trying manuka honey with a bit of turmeric. Somebody said turmeric is the uh, is the great saving grace. I was going to Waitrose, buying a little tub of turmeric, sprinkling a bit on the top. And, uh, and it did do the job, eventually. It did do the job. Uh, but it was a slow process. Uh, find, finding tablets, I'm actually quite uh, quite intrigued by this. I, c- I couldn't be happier. Oh, crikey, lots and lots of your uh, uh, emails coming in. Uh, hope you're well and enjoyed Costco, says Noreen. Well, we would have done if we'd managed to get to the right one. We had to go to the old one. There was queues a mile long. Uh, we've got several Scylla DVDs to watch. I've got one of her on tour in Australia with the shadows. Can't wait to watch that today. Major excitement yesterday, she said, after buying our tickets to see Marmalade, that's a group, incidentally, in Southend, a tour we've been waiting for, Solid Silver Sixties, Peter Noon, The Mersey Beats, Dave Berry, Brian Highland, and the new Amen Corner, Bend Me, Shape Me, Anywhere You Want Me, was announced in St Albans. So middle of the front row for us. Anyone of a senior age who likes their music, watch out for dates to be announced. Off to your favourite place, Luton, shortly. Yes, obviously going to visit the wheels on the car. And uh, you're taking the kids wall climbing. Oh, right. She says, I drink loads of water and in my dreams will I be losing weight? Well, you don't want to lose anything, do you? One of the lucky people who doesn't actually need to lose weight at all. Is it One Direction's 2012 tour DVD you've got? Um, I don't know. Now you've asked. I've got no idea. Whatever it was, it was it was very inexpensive. I was quite impressed by the fact that it didn't it didn't cost too much, and because they've been so much in the news, uh, it's One Direction Up All Night, the live tour. I don't know what that uh, what that is at all. And then I've got One Direction Reaching for the Stars, the complete collection, and then Cilla Black from 1968. And you have to watch these things. This is her live in Australia with the Shadows and Olivia Newton John. And, of course, Olivia Newton-John featured on In Conversation. And that's when everybody was getting very excited, going, you interviewed Olivia Newton-John? Absolutely. So I couldn't tell you which, uh, which tour it is. I just know it's the one that's available on, uh, on DVD. And I should imagine all the fans will know what it is anyway. I just, I just wanted to see what it, what it was. Uh, Chris says, I used to work in a shop. When the manager shouted, stop, thief, all the staff started running. <laughs> it's an old gag, but worth, worth using on the programme this morning. 
They're called clackers, says Monica. They were, they were under the dangerous toys of the 70s. If you let go, you got head in. Well, I mean, I have to be honest, conkers were banned. Do you remember that there was one council that banned conkers because they said, you know, they were very dangerous. And we used to, years ago, we had lots of tricks of making your conker harder than anybody else's. And you'd either bake it in the oven or soak it in vinegar. I can't remember why, but we used to soak them in vinegar. And, and you'd drill, you'd push. I can remember the skewers. You'd push through, then you put the string through. How we never took our hands out, I'll never know. But certain schools now have actually done away with conkers, saying they're far too dangerous because they're worried that little children, you know, will be, um, will be sort of doing themselves serious damage. Although I'm sure I heard uh, Darren Adam talking about... Was he talking about sex education for children this morning? Was he talking about as young as nine or something like that, or even younger, where it was sort of teaching children about the facts of life? And all I remember thinking was, I can't remember what age we did it. I don't, well, when I say did it, I don't think we, we got sex education at school. I think they were far too embarrassed in my day to talk about things like that. And then I remember poor old Peter Andre, shortly to be embarrassing himself on the Strictly programme. <laughs> Even as we speak, he'll be rehearsing in front of a mirror, trying not to look too much of a geek. And uh, when his ten-year-old asked him about the birds and the bees, he didn't have any answers for him. I thought at 10 years old, he he understands about cameras. And let's face it, the mother's revolving door on the bedroom must have given him some sort of inkling, I should imagine. Apparently, there's an app uh, that you can load to your iPhone, which you can point at any vehicle. It tells you whether it's taxed. No, I don't think that would be available to us at all. I do not think that would be available to us. That would be police information. How would it know? How would it know? That would be very dangerous. Very dangerous indeed. Makes a mockery of the police equipment. And uh, Camilla says Chris is obviously holding £3 million under those clothes that she wears all the time from Kids Company. Well, it's certainly gone somewhere, hasn't it? Millions and millions of pounds. And we just want to see the evidence of it. It strikes me that somebody started, as I've said before on the programme, to give money to this, what they thought was a great uh, cause, and these people had no experience of running these sort of things. It's great to be sort of going, oh, yes, I want to help, you know, homeless people in China or whatever, and people give you money. And then the money starts rolling in, and because she was a larger-than-life figure, and then, of course, somebody started going, wait a minute, where's this money going? What's going on here? And so then there were stories of mismanagement and uh, misappropriation of funds, and so then the government stopped it immediately, having just handed over £7 million. Handed over £7 million. Where's that gone? I mean, quite clearly, on some of her outfits, I would think. I mean, she must have been paying herself a salary. And, uh, and then she was claiming on all her interviews that 36,000 kids are going to be now suffering. Uh, no, nothing like that. One of the uh, leading newspapers in the country said it was more like 600. And to be honest with you, they were just handing them money on a Friday in an envelope. They'd be given money to spend on what they wanted. It's not the answer to it. That's gross mismanagement. Uh, my car ground to a halt on the M25. The RAC came out, looked at the car and said... Uh, that it, it could be fuel. As apparently a batch of my make and model had faulty fuel gauges. Showed just over a quarter of a tank and was empty. All oh, right. Fancy buying a horrible car where you've got a faulty fuel gauge. Obviously buying cheap end of the market. And um, 84850, uk. And uh, another one here. It's, uh, this is from, 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 from. And uh, Richard, who says, I'm sorry to say that since I've stopped drinking, my memory has improved immensely. (laughs) They did a thing the other day about drinking, didn't they? Saying that the over 65s were drinking too much. Apparently a bottle of spirit a week for over 65. I think it was men, whereas I always thought it was women who actually drank uh, more. Uh, Steve, nobody gets hacked, they get cracked. As in their email or password or login info is cracked. Oh, right. I said, I don't know anything about this. I mean, I've never... Uh, round here... I've, is that wrong? 
Yeah, the producer says that's wrong. You're talking rubbish. There you go. And uh, and he knows everything. He is the is the font of everything in this building. So a crack is how you break a program like a license program. See, he knows these things. So it sounds like a f- yes, a free version of Photoshop. He knows what he's talking about. No good trying to hoodwink him. Heavens above, this boy's got A levels. This boy's been to. No, he hasn't got many of them, mind you. But my other producer, Chris, he's got a master's, a master's degree. The people that they employ on this station now—they're far more educated than I ever was. Have you heard of such a thing? He's got a master's and he's got another thing, which means I think he gets to wear a hat and a, and a cape or something. I think he's a master's degree for driving this programme. How much pressure are they putting on people nowadays? Never heard of anything like it. When I joined, they just wanted to know whether we had our own ox and cart at home and whether my mother was still walking in front of the car with a red flag, and that, that got you in. Nowadays, have you got a master's degree, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen? I ask you. A bachelor's without honours. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what a bachelor's without honours. Without honours means that you didn't, oh, you didn't finish it. Oh, God. Oh, so you're really thick. <laughs> a bachelor's without honours. Yeah but, yeah, but what does it get you? I keep saying to people, we had this big discussion on the programme ages and ages ago about you go to school, I understand, to get an education. I understand the reading, the writing, the arithmetic. I've got no qualifications. And I'm earning more than you, I'm guessing. <laughs> and you've been... That's not a guess, no. But I mean, but you sort of think to yourself, you get all these qualifications, but are they useful? Are they, they're not useful, are they? So why do people do them? What? Nobody's ever asked for certificates. Nobody ever asked me when I joined here. They said, you know, so what qualifications have you got? Nobody. I mean, I don't know now. Well, even now we wouldn't ask people what their qualifications were. It's, it's whether you have an ability to find an audience. I mean, I know I've got a friend of mine who's just going off to it. Well, in fact, well, I've, got, uh, I've got nephews and nieces going off to university. And I keep thinking, it's lovely, but what for? I mean, are you guaranteed a job at the end of the day if you come back with a master's or you come back with this or that qualification? Nobody's ever asked before at, at what level you are educated to. People go to college and university now to do media courses and stuff. What do they teach you? They can't teach you to be a presenter. They can't teach you to drive a desk. You learn that here. You know, you come in. I mean, I can't. I have to hold my hands up and tell you that I couldn't drive it. If all of a sudden he fell down next door... This programme goes... Well, actually, I'll just keep talking, I suppose, unless he's switched the mics off. Because I wouldn't even know where to begin. I wouldn't have the faintest idea how to drive a desk. I wouldn't have the faintest idea how to record something on Burley. I don't even know what Burley is. But they keep saying, oh, is it on Burley? And I go, probably. Because I don't know. I can't do it. Some people are very clever. I mean, Christo can actually drive himself, although if you've heard the programme, you probably wish he didn't. And sort of other people have sort of done things. I can't even answer a telephone. I don't know how the phone system works. Thank goodness we can get an audience, though. Uh, the stories in the papers today. The shot dead on live television. But should we have those pictures? Front page of every newspaper. Every newspaper. The bespoke Big Macs and the council using more bailiffs. And is Britain racist? All of that and more. Other side of the news on LBC. On FM. Online. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, 27th of August. Shot dead on live television. But should the pictures be on the front pages of the papers? They'll be discussing that later on with Nick Ferrari. Drink water and lose weight. 
also heard it was a, a flush through, but apparently now it can help you lose weight. One lottery winner is building a wishing well in his back garden. He's just picked up 1.8 million. He's a very happy person. The Tory donor in the kids' company storm is still going to get a peerage. It's all gone a bit pear-shaped. Council's using much more bailiffs. The fish oil pills, a load of old codswallops. It's not going to make any difference to your memory at all. Sting sells a house and makes £13 million profit. And why does it always rain in August? Somebody please help us. And we'll go through the front pages of the uh, papers this morning. The new words and phrases added to the, uh, the dictionary. And that poor man who spent three years building the biggest Lego ship, only to discover that was a bloke in America whose was a few inches bigger. He was hoping to get into the Guinness Book of Records and he never, never quite made it, poor soul. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, other stories in the papers today. Again, it's uh, Mr Corbyn, the row over these train carriages for women. I can't quite see how it's going to work. I think it's a backward step. It's like having first and second class and third class and then carriages for sort of whites only, carriages for gays, carriages for transgender, carriages for people over six foot three inches tall, carriages for ginger people. It's patronising to women and 99% of women in a recent survey said they thought exactly the same as well. You know, what better? Safety in numbers as opposed to one woman sitting in a carriage all by herself. How stupid is that? Why don't these people think about these things before they sort of come up with this ridiculous idea? Women-only carriages. Do you seriously believe if you can't get people to wear seatbelts, you're going to actually find people... So the train is packed solid, one woman sitting in a carriage all by herself, and somebody's going, we're sitting in here. Exactly the same as whenever you see the Reading trains going out during Ascot week... All the Hooray Henrys sit in first class. They don't have tickets to be in first class. And the ticket collector never comes and checks because the train is so rammed and they're swilling champagne on the platform at eight o'clock in the morning. Ghastly. Uh, Here is Sting. He apparently has uh, given his uh, bank balance a bit of a boost because he's made a huge profit on a house that he bought some years ago. He bought the house from former Labour MP Sean Woodward for £5.7 million back in 2003, which was quite a lot of money. Well, since then, he's obviously uh, done it up. And uh, he's just uh, sold it. £19 million. £19 million. <laughs> which gives him a nice profit of about a million pounds a year. I mean, I don't know where you'd get that anywhere else. And so he's made £13.3 million. It's overlooking St James's Park. I know the house well. I can remember it when it came up for sale. I remember it when uh, they put it up for sale this time round because the pictures appeared, I think it was Knight Frank had it, and I remember thinking, oh, I know exactly where that house is. It's got a little garden. It's not a huge garden, but it's got a little garden, but you are on on Birdcage Walk, and so you overlook St James's Park. Uh, six bathrooms, five reception rooms, and um, it's not bad, is it? The sale price is 16 times the average house price in Westminster, but the buyer will face a stamp duty bill of £2.2 million. They say it's a very prestigious street, and it is too. No parking, of course. It doesn't come with parking. You have to park out on the road. Makes a bit of a mockery, doesn't it? But uh, Sting and Trudy have got a lumber of homes. They've got a, an estate in Tuscany where the staff produce his own brands of olive oil. Oh, I bought some of that. Do you remember I said the other day, I keep seeing this advert on the television for butter and olive oil, and I thought, I wonder if I should try it. I'm not going for a Mediterranean diet in any way. I just thought I'd try it. And so I, they sold it in Costco, so I got a big tub of it. I'm going to try it today on some bread to see if the uh, the taste is as good, because I'm not, re- I'm not really a healthy eater as such. I mean, I'd like to be a healthy eater, but it never quite works out. Anyway, he's also got a £17 million duplex apartment in Manhattan and a beachfront Malibu home, which he paid £3.9 million for in 1998. The English properties include a £2 million farmhouse in the Lake District and a £7 million 800-acre estate in Wiltshire. 
But as I say, there's only one place you could ever live in at any one time. So all these places have got to be staffed and you've got to look after them. That's why we laughed the other day. Was it Jermaine Defoe who wanted somebody to go work for him? And we worked out. It was about 16 people that he was looking for. He's so mean that, uh, that he wanted one person to do the job of about 16 people, even managing properties. You know, it's just not physically possible to do. Uh, 84850. I could explain, uh, says John, the Burger King cooking method, but due to professional etiquette, I can't. Uh, uh, 2.36 frozen to cooked they've obviously got some steam up here yeah, but when it comes in frozen does it come in with the lines on it that's what I want to know I mean I, I'm not I've, I've never seen any flames coming out I know they're flame grilled I can't understand that but do they flame grill them then they then they freeze them and then they come in and then they go into a steamer kind of thing which sort of fluffs I don't know that's what I'm determined I might have to get a job there you know I might have to go undercover can you imagine going undercover uh, greetings from uh, from Vienna. Paul Hollingdale is over there. Chris Scott, Guten Morgen. And he says, I know that the threat of further industrial action is threatened over the introduction of the all-night tube service in London. None of that sort of thing here in Vienna. Indeed, tomorrow, the uh, 28th Wienerlinien, the city's transportation system, will be celebrating the fifth anniversary of their all-night service on the metro system by offering all passengers free access to all trains from 6.30pm to 6am on Saturday morning. Not only that they've done a deal with over 50 of the city's top bars, clubs and discos, inviting revellers free entry to their venues. It's expected around 50,000 people will be out and about taking advantage of the Metro online offer. Can you imagine Boris doing that for London's commuters? Can you imagine the unions agreeing to it? One train company, Great Western, I think, are uh, planning on more strike action because they're introducing um, a new train. They're introducing new new carriages and they're revamping the buffet car. And they, they don't like that idea. I mean, how many people get on a train in this country to use the buffet car? They did a thing the other day. Was it... Um, I can't remember the exact figures, but something along the lines of if you buy a monthly pass in Germany for the whole of the German rail network, it's about £280. £280 for the whole month. You can use any train, go anywhere you like. Here, London to Manchester or London to Edinburgh, whatever it was, first class, £386, one journey. Small wonder we're in a dreadful state. Small wonder. But uh, thank you, Paul. Nice to know that you're uh, up and about this morning. My only experience with uh, Kanakas, as they were called, says George, is an incident with my sister. A cyclist rode past us who spat, hitting my sister's dress. I was outraged and promptly snatched the Kanakas from her and threw them into his spokes, causing a halt to his journey and a few cuts and grazes. We ran off laughing. Yes, they, 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 they strike me as being a little bit like a bolero. Remember boleros? They would use them, the gauchos would use them to bring the horses down. I never cease to amaze myself. By the way, apparently they're um, they're um, uh, going to teach me how to use the uh, the system in this in this building. It'll go in one ear and come out the other. Uh, any tips, uh, Steve? Says Annie. The auditors are in today. Um, go out. <laughs> Much easier, isn't it? Go out. Don't stay in. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Uh, very quickly, let's do this one here. Try and get through as many as possible. I had a senior moment, says Paul. I went upstairs to get a towel. When I got there, I stood there and wondered why I'd come up the stairs for. Went back down the stairs to think why I'd gone up the stairs. Yeah, that's called a senior moment. I don't I don't like the idea of having a senior moment. I think it's just being very, very forgetful. Uh, 84850. Apparently, according to Margaret in Maidstone, putting the cat in the toilet is very irresponsible. 
Did you think so? I thought it was hilarious. We're going to try it later on, and we're going to film it and put it up on YouTube, just to make it more interesting. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, a lot of people talking about the maximum at, at pumps of £99. And, uh, Steve, solve the petrol problem, get an electric car. I don't like electric cars. I come in in one in the morning, nine out of ten times. I don't like it when it gets to traffic lights. I like to hear an engine. And all of a sudden it switches off. My brother's got one on his... It drives me mad. Anna says, I've got three degrees. I've got that song as well. Is it When Will I See You Again? It's an old gag, but it's worth repeating. You won't find that anywhere else on the radio. Not at this time of the morning. People pay good money for that. Certainly dance like funnier than some of those jokes we had the other day. Uh, My new PC has Windows 10. You get very confused, says Jane. Get curtains. Get curtains. So much easier. I've got craft moments, Steve. And um, Kevin says, you were asked questions before the company employed you. Our dairy only asks if you've got a pulse. And with a few of our milkmen, that is in doubt sometimes. <laughs> you see, I don't remember being asked anything like that at all. I don't think anybody's ever sort of checked on what qualifications you have. My, my qualification was that I could read and, and I sounded fairly coherent. And... Uh, and that's about it. Nobody ever sat down and went, so, so do you have a qualification in English? I don't know. I don't know. Tickly cough, teaspoon of olive oil. Ugh, yuck. Horrible. And the video clip, says Adrian, I think you mentioned, is the same clip on Sky yesterday, filmed in Turkey. Shopkeepers attacking a tourist. Whatever it is, it looks pretty dangerous. <laughs> don't want to go there and mess about. Definitely not. Uh, and, oh, look at the time. I mean, just tell you very, very quickly uh, here. Uh, a lot of people talking about... The, uh, the man who spent all the money because he was told he was terminal. And uh, people saying, I'd do exactly the same thing, Steve. It's just that I didn't have £40,000 back then. It's quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20, in case you're uh, clock-watching this morning. Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about this uh, girl, the youngest jihadi, facing jail at the age of uh, 16. They're asking the question, uh, should she be named? I would think if there's somebody who's, uh, who's building bombs, I'd like to know where they're living, thank you very much indeed. But apparently they can't because of her age, they say for legal reasons. But, uh, you know, and there's a 14-year-old boy in court as well. And you begin to wonder, she sort of turns up in court with her face covered. I mean, if, you, if you're so proud of what you're doing, you know, why not uncover your face? We're going to see who you are shortly, anyway. Uh, the Daily Mail, the moment the gunman with a grudge shot the news girl on live television. Um, I don't think we should be looking at these pictures. That's just my personal opinion, my personal opinion. And I think, you know, you're watching, you know, she's, she has a family, she had a fiancé. I just don't think we should be looking at pictures like this. And the, the Sun invite you to actually watch the... Um, uh, to watch the, the video. Uh, the Chilcot Inquiry, two fingers to the Iraq war families. They couldn't care less, I shouldn't imagine. It's gone on for so many years now. Uh, the Sun have newsman blast colleague shot dead and then watched the chilling video. Uh, sacked reporter's revenge because he used to work for the station. The Mirror have the same story. Terror flashing across the face of the journalist Alison Parker as she suddenly realises that this man's got a gun because she's doing an interview and it's a fairly light piece, and she suddenly looks to the side, and she suddenly realised he's pointing a gun at her. So she she tries to run, and uh, he just shot her. But he's filming himself doing it, which he then posted online. Uh, and then he shoots the, the cameraman as well. That's all they call him. Isn't, that, isn't it awful? In all the papers, they, just, they name her, and he's been named later on, but they go, her and her cameraman. That's what he's put down as now. Her cameraman. Uh, front page of the Express, they had a picture... What they call what? what? 
What? What would they call you? The producer. The producer also. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. I mean, luckily, on the front page of the Express, they do say, you know, Adam Ward does get the name check. Uh, this was a race row, apparently. Alison Parker, only 24. In America, they look so much older, don't they? Their, their newswomen look older. They've all got sort of big hair. And Adam Ward were killed by this ex-colleague as they were broadcasting. He opened fire at close range, which you'll see from the pictures, which I don't think we should be seeing, but nevertheless, they are. And... Um, uh, the terrified interviewee was left seriously injured after she was hit in the back trying to flee. Bewildered viewers saw the attack as they watched this light-hearted report. Nobody knew what was going on. They really didn't. And uh, the gunman, Vesta Lee Flanagan, who once worked at the station as a reporter under the name of Bryce Williams, posted his own mobile phone footage of the murders online. And uh, uh, Flanagan is said to have carried out the killings in a warped protest because he believed his complaints of racism at the station were being ignored. And among those he'd accused were Miss Parker. She and Mr Ward um, were were both, wait a minute, both uh, in relationships with colleagues at the stations. Both lived very close to the uh, channel's headquarters. And uh, Mr Ward's fiancé, producer Melissa Ott, was in the control room and watched the report when her husband-to-be was killed. And she, along with other bewildered viewers, were listening to Miss Parker interview Vicky Gardner, a local business leader, about a forthcoming event at Bridgewater Plaza near the local Smith Mountain Lake. They then heard gunshots and saw the two women turn and scream at the unseen gunman. Mr Ward's shoulder-held camera then falls to the floor, capturing a fleeting glimpse of Flanagan holding his gun and the sound of more shots. I mean, it's, it's really quite dreadful, quite dreadful. You see the look on her face and, uh, and you suddenly realise that she's facing the end of her life because of this, this lunatic. Uh, the front page of the Metro today, TV duo gunned down on air in revenge killing. Uh, he had a, a grudge. He shot himself but survived long enough to get to hospital, the gunman, and uh, then he died there. He was. Uh, they've got lots of pictures of him, and no doubt as the day goes through, you're going to be uh, finding out more and more uh, sort of stories of what went on behind the scenes. Uh, the family of four Britons killed in the uh, air crash is terribly, terribly sad indeed. Relatives of the British family were devastated here. Fiona Hewitt, husband Richard, and children Harry, 14, and 17-year-old Felicity died in this crash. In, uh, in Canada. Uh, Mrs Hewitt worked as a shiatsu therapist at an alternative health centre near the family's home in Milton Keynes. Terribly tragic to lose the whole family. And the other story, which we did a couple of days ago on LBC, is of uh, Pierce Brosnan supporting the idea of a gay 007. I'm not sure whether or not everybody else would support a gay 007. The trouble is, it, it, now they've sort of run out of books, or they ran out of books some years ago, now they just sort of make it up as they go along. I suppose, in theory, he could be transgender. That would certainly make it more entertaining, I would have thought. But uh, the very idea of a gay Bond, he said, it, he said it would make very interesting viewing. But he says, I do think Bond will be black before he's gay. How much do you think in our lifetime, ladies and gentlemen, we're actually going to get a gay bond? I'm not really sure whether or not I can sort of, uh, I can sort of go along with something like that. Oh, the Guinness Book of Records is 60. It's 60, and we used to get it for Christmas. And we'd go through it and go, the longest, the tallest, the shortest, and the fattest, and how many jumps can you do, and how many, how many pairs of pants can you put on? They were all ridiculous things. You've got to come up with something that's not been done before. You know, how many, they've already done, you know, how many 
kernels of corn you can eat, how many burgers, how many hot dogs, how many... And it's just, you know, the food things are quite amazing. I always imagine the people who do the food ones must be enormous, but nine out of ten times, they're not. There's also a loan shark who attacked a man with a samurai sword over a 90-year, 90 90-pound 90 debt has been jailed for six years. That's David Jones marched into the victim's home, unsheathed the sword and slashed him, causing cuts and bruises. Good God in heaven. Anyway, he was nicknamed Double Bubble, as borrowers had to pay twice the amount he lent them, admitted a chance of wounding. Anyway, you've got enough time to reflect, haven't you, as you're in prison for the next six years. Hopefully you'll die in there. Do us all a favour. That's just about it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Thank goodness not as much rain today as we had yesterday, so at least we're not going to be washed down the motorway. Uh, if you want to uh, listen to LBC on holiday, you must, must Download the LBC app. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, that's where you can read about all the programmes. You can see the profiles of the presenters. You can see all the private pictures. You can go back in the archive and start downloading. We go back about three years. So there's a lot to download. All the celebrity interviews from In Conversation, all the programmes, all the special interviews, all the special programmes are all available for you to download on there. So the LBC podcast app is on lbc.co.uk. That's available for iPhones and the Android phones as well. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show, at Steve Allen Show. And uh, tomorrow I'll tell you about a bank holiday weekend uh, event which is taking place, Edenbridge and Oxted. So we'll do that tomorrow on the programme. Have a great day. Nick Ferrari, Controversial, as always, this morning. They've got a lot to talk about from seven. But next, it's the morning news with Sarah Jane Mee.